Welcome to another episode of The Eccentrics with UI, where I have conversations with individuals that embody the three criteria that I look for before bringing them on the show. And those in the criteria are that they have traveled a fair bit, they have created a money-making venture, and lastly, they are willing to share a setback that occurred one time in their life, and most importantly, how did they rebound from that setback? Before we go into today's episode and I tell you who we are having on the show today, I wanted to let you know about my weekly newsletter that comes out once a week titled Three Nuggets Weekly. It's uh, a newsletter where I share three things during the previous week that I found valuable and I think might add value to your life. Uh, if you want to subscribe to this uh, newsletter, you can visit my website, www.uiukpong.com, insert your email address, and you would have this uh, newsletter once in your inbox every week. It's just uh, very brief, uh, where I share philosophy, I share either a documentary I watched in the previous week, or a news article, a book, um, a video, whatever it is. And I just share it with those that uh, subscribe to the newsletter. So once again, if you want to get uh, to be one of those uh, subscribers, visit my website, uiukpong.com. Insert your email address in there, and it will be waiting for you in your inbox once a week. With that, let's get into today's show. So we're having a conversation uh, today with a lady by the name of Monice. So let me tell you who Monice is. Monice is an accomplished actress, having worked all over Canada and most notably at the Stratford Festival and the Shaw Festival. She has worked on popular TV shows such as Supernatural, Bates Motel, and The Good Doctor. In addition to acting, Monice also is a playwright, a recipient and participant of the Banff Playwright Lab in Banff, Alberta. A writer in residence with Urban Inc. Theatre working on her second play, Burnt Cork. To add to her arsenal of accomplishments, Monice is currently studying sustainable business leadership at BCIT, which is in British Columbia, Canada. Enjoy my conversation with Monice. Hello, everyone, and uh, greetings from where I am, which is Calgary. And I have someone on the show today, which I'm very excited to have. We have actually, to be honest, rescheduled three times, which means that it's a very good thing because it means I really, really wanted to have on the show. So I'm really glad she's finally here. I have with us Monice Peter. Monice, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Ah, fantastic. <laughs> so while uh, Monice and I were having a chat on offline before we came on, Monice shared something with me, which is uh, basically... A celebration so as uh, i like to do on the show we are going to sing happy birthday to <laughs> to to moniz uh she added another year to her life last week and today is sunday which is the beginning of a new week so let's uh all sing happy birthday to moniz so here we go happy birthday to you Woo. happy birthday to you Yay. Happy birthday, dear Moniz. 
Happy birthday to you. Me. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. How was your birthday celebration? Because I think you took the entire week to celebrate. And as you said, the entire month is your birthday. The entire month is my birthday. Um, great. I'm actually going out for lunch with a bunch of friends today after this. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, enjoy. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, everyone, Moniz is a, an actor and a playwright. And I wanted to also know what a playwright is. But before I ask that question, I did a little bit of research on you, Moniz, and I saw something that got my attention. And I wanted to know how you were able to find that out, which is your ancestry. And that your ancestry is uh, Bene Republic and Togo. Yes. And yes. actually, Bene Republic and Togo are French speaking countries. Well, they were colonized by the French, but by the French, but I don't know what languages speak originally in their countries because I've not visited these two countries before. How did you how did you find your ancestral roots? Um, my sister Mahalia is the historian of the family. So she got my parents, I can't remember if it was my my mom or my dad, I think it was my dad, to do the ancestry test. Hmm. So that's how we found out and were I don't know, forty something percent <laughs> or can't remember what the percentage was, but that's where we're, we're from. Mm. Did, did she use Ancestry.com or 23andMe? Ancestry.com. Oh, wow. Now, yeah. by, by now knowing, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, but Togolis are very tall people. They're tall? They're very tall people. Not a lot of tall people in my family. <laughs> oh, so uh, out of the Benin Republic and Togo, which one is the 40%? Is it both in total? It just said both because they're just so close. Oh, okay, yeah. People in Togo are quite tall, actually, come to think about it. So I was hoping that maybe that would have filtered in. Who knows? No, none of none of my dad, not that I know of, all the people on my dad's side are not tall. A oh, lot of okay. tall people on my mom's side, but my mother is also not tall. But uh, her, her siblings <laughs> are tall. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So you are also the youngest of seven children. Mm-hmm. How is it like to be, first of all, in a big family and also be the youngest? I mean, there was a lot of problems have been cared for all the time because you're the youngest and you've already got all these older siblings that could almost be like your mini parents in a way. Yeah. I So I didn't grow up with my four half-brothers. It was just me okay. and my two sisters. So it was just five of us in, in the family with my mom and my dad. Okay. Um, but yes, my sisters are... Uh, six and seven years older than me so they are I am quite young almost a different generation but we're kind of in the same generation um you know we have different friends so we're not <laughs> we're not um we didn't grow up having the same friends but uh I would say it it was great it was fine I yeah, I, yeah it wasn't <laughs> as I said I was all it wasn't that big of a family because it was just me my sister's and mm. my mom, and my dad, uh, but occasionally, you know, our house was like an open door. So lots of people stayed, lots of people came and stayed uh, at our house that were either extended family or friends. And yeah. Hmm. Okay. So yes, I was babied. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I was, I was, I was waiting for you to say something about that, but when you did say it, I was like, okay, I'm just going to let that be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was babied, but I was also, um, given lots and lots and lots of freedom. 
Mm. Probably why I probably why I can exist how I am today. I'm always all over the place. I have so much freedom. Mm. So I want to give a shout out to the person that introduced us or referred you to me and me to you. And that is uh, your cousin, Amandela, who has already been on the show, uh, the author and the poet. Now, for you, one of the things that she said to me was growing up as an only child, um, the challenges of that and everything, and then going back to um, the a Commonwealth of Dominica. She also taught us on the show about Commonwealth of Dominica because most, I think, most people think of only just Dominican Republic. And then we hear about this new country, we're like, whoa, uh, trivia, trivia question. Um, for you, you've only been back to the uh, Commonwealth of Dominica once. Um, when, when did that happen? And don't you have any curiosity to at least go back and see more of it? <laughs> I went back in 20, oh my gosh, 2008. Oh, you've gone again? No, no. I only went oh. in 2008. And okay. uh, that was the very first time. It was like the country's reunion or something like that. I can't even remember why, why we went, but it was a big thing. Uh, I went with my parents. We stayed for a month. Uh, three weeks and it was spectacular. I've never been, I've never experienced that type of culture before. I've never uh, seen so many, I've never been to such a hot place. <laughs> and um, eaten, I just remember uh, how the foods tasted. I remember um, we went and we went fishing with just like a string and a hook and we caught some things like, I remember it. I remember it very vividly and how green and luscious it is. Um, I'm actually going back this December. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> what is the What is the event? Is it just to celebrate Christmas Day or is something else to give? No, event? it's another, so on my dad's side, uh, a reunion, a family reunion on my dad's side. So a whole bunch of family from that live there and all over the, all over the world are going to come. And oh, wow. Reune with each other and meet new cousins and aunts and uncles. So, yeah. Nice. How long are you planning to be there for? Uh, hopefully three weeks. It's really hard to travel during the holidays, Christmas time. The flights are crazy, <laughs> but yes. Very, ex very expensive, yeah. <laughs> three weeks, yeah. Yeah. So you were born in Calgary, mm -hmm. and Amandela also told us that she was born in Alberta. So she, she liked to say southern Alberta. How was it like at that time? Because you see, I came to Calgary in 2007. I first came to Canada in 2001 in, and I came through Nova Scotia. And coming to Calgary in 2007 is very different from the Calgary that I'm experiencing now. There's a lot of infusion of um, diversity. But for you, being born in Calgary back when it was, I don't know when that exactly was, how was growing up in Calgary? Like, was there a lot of diversity that we were experiencing in your own cooking of the world or it's totally very different from the Calgary you know today. Um, well, a couple things. I haven't been back to Calgary to live in a number of years. Like I left in 2013. Okay. And so I haven't been back properly to live there. So I, I have, I don't even know. <laughs> Every time I come back to visit is for a little bit of time. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is new. This is new. Oh my gosh. Um, but growing up in Calgary, was uh, I don't oh gosh it's so hard to how, I don't even know how to put it into words it it was an experience of um, 
The only the only thing that I can say is that in contrast, me and my cousin and my sister went to New York in 2001. We were both in, going to grade nine. And the contrast of coming from Calgary, going to New York and seeing all of our cousins, the amount of black people that were there. I've never seen so many black people in my life. Um, well, just because of where, I, where I'm from. And so I guess I can say in terms of black diversity or seeing people that look like me, uh, I didn't grow up with that. Um, but at church, you know, our church was a, a mix of, of many different um, ethnicities and cultures. And uh, that's where I got a lot of my, um, I guess, cultural information <laughs> was from church because in school, you know, you're usually one of five, one of three black people throughout your elementary, junior high and high school. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not, I wish I knew like what effect that had on me growing up. I'm not quite sure. Maybe I'm still coming to terms with like, what did that mean to be one of the only? At the mm -hmm. time I thought it was, I'm just coming to realize this like as of two days ago in my older, wiser years. <laughs> I'm just coming to realize like back then I had this notion that I was, because I wasn't like everybody else, I didn't look like everybody else. Um, I felt uh, um, wrong, like not, I just not right, didn't fit in, but everybody doesn't fit in as they're a kid. That's like a common thing. <laughs> but for some reason, especially like skin and like uh, skin color, I should say, and uh, sure, abilities and whatnot, but skin color, I felt undesirable, all that kind of stuff. Even as a kid, I, I probably wouldn't use that term, but I just mm -hmm. felt like I wasn't, I wasn't being looked at. I wasn't even, I wasn't really cared for amongst my peers in growing up in junior high, elementary, junior high, and high school, which was echoed in the way I was treated by my peers and by my teachers. Um, but now I'm like, oh my goodness, I thought I've been thinking about this in such a negative term because that's how we're taught to think in these negative terms instead of it being a positive, instead of it being like, I'm a unicorn. I'm one of few. That's so cool. Isn't that more exciting than being, not that any is better than the other. I'm just saying like just the thought process of it, instead of it being like, there's not many like you that therefore you are bad or X, Y, or whatever the, the, the badness is. I never got the chance to be like, oh, wow, it's so unique to have this experience of being one of four or three black people in the school. How exciting is that? How do I continue to showcase my, just who I am, my identity? Um, and then also like race is so like, who cares about race? We're all humans kind of thing, um, which we don't really get taught. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, the, the understanding now of like, wow, I am, I'm one of few at this, in this part of the world. When I go somewhere else, I'm the same. Mm -hmm. um, but in this part of the world, it's pretty cool to be who I am and exist the way I am. I think any any person can say that, but <laughs> it's always different when you're a black person growing up in in these areas of conservatism in the West, basically. Mm. Um, I've never lived in 
where you are currently staying. I don't know if you want, if you're comfortable for me to share where you're currently staying, but where you're currently staying, the conservatism that you just mentioned, is it, is it, is it similar, even though the proximity of these two places are close? Or is the, the philosophy of life and where you're staying right now very different from Alberta? Uh, so I'm in, I'm in Vancouver. That's fine. I'm all over the place, but I'm currently in Vancouver. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and can you repeat the question one more time? So, the, no. So when you said conservatism, one of the mm -hmm. things that Alberta is known for is that it's a conservative place, mm -hmm. but I, I, I haven't lived in Vancouver. I've visited Vancouver twice, but very, very short stings. Is, is the philosophy of life in Vancouver and British Columbia very different from Alberta, even though we are two provinces that are very close to one another. I, I'm, I'm, used, I'm asking that because I know you're in Vancouver. I know that is where a lot of your action happens. Mm. But I wanted, to, I wanted to understand, is the philosophy of both provinces very different from each other or they're, they're kind of close? I notice very drastic um, differences. But that being said, I am further away from the border uh, of... Alberta, BC and Alberta, so maybe it's different on that end, but maybe not. Mm. Um, it's not, uh, it's different here because of our focus on environmentalism and um, strong Indigenous or trying to be strong Indigenous um, uh, uh, reconciliation kind of stuff. I'm, I'm sure Alberta is doing the same thing, but that's, that is different. Um, all Alberta, um, you know, makes money from the from being conservative, from the oil industry, from <laughs> uh, that kind of stuff. So, and taxes are quite less, a lot less mm -hmm. over there. So mm -hmm. it's nice. Mm -hmm. It's actually nice to be there. And um, uh, but I do find Alberta to be quite nice. I I live in I've lived in Edmonton and Alberta, and I've also traveled all across um, Alberta as well, doing many things that I do, my acting, I used to be in a marching band, so we, we've been in many, many small places um, um, and kind of existed in those communities. But Alberta's nice. Vancouver, BC, I'm finding challenging in terms of, uh, not that people have to be nice, it's just like you can feel a, a very, you can feel a strong difference between talking to somebody on the street in Vancouver, or trying to, if you can even get something out of them and then random strangers in in calgary and edmonton will be like hey do you need a ride <laughs> i'll take it because i feel i feel safe there i just came from north carolina uh and oh my goodness i was blown away by the hospitality everyone is just so nice and will strike up a conversation with you and is happy to have a conversation with you um and here in vancouver because I'm still new here. I don't like properly live here. I'm still new. Uh, I find challenging. But in terms of conservatism, as I said, it's different because BC has a different, is its access, especially to the ocean and what it means to be stewards of the land is a different philosophy than Alberta has in terms of what it thinks its purpose is to, um, to the land, I guess, and to, to people. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Now, my curiosity would not allow this thing to get out of my head, which was, you said two days ago, you were pondering, and that is how things you're thinking, that you were thinking about what you were sharing with us when I asked you the question about growing up in Calgary. Um, 
if I may ask, what was that event or thing that triggered you to think like this or start to think about it? And in and now I ask the question, what happened two days ago to trigger you to start to think and say, hmm, how was it growing up in Calgary? Um, uh, I have been, I have always been battling what? I have always been battling. That's not a sentence. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have a challenge and a struggle, but a challenge. I'm working on it every day. It gets better with um, self-worth and self-love and um, that kind of stuff. And so the other day I was just walking, 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 and I felt just completely out of place and um you know beating myself up because we're our own worst enemies <laughs> and i just thought like oh my goodness what if i just change my mindset and and say wow i can showcase the best i can be the most beautiful person and that's okay like i can i can it's okay for me to be beautiful it's okay for me i know that's all image stuff but I struggle with that. I'm like, it's okay for me to to embrace being beautiful. That, that's an okay thing, because I felt like as a kid, um, I don't know from what or who. It could be media. It could have been parents. It could have been family. It could have been friends that you know uh, uh, have said something, and then you keep it in your brain for for as long as you know until now. And you have these complexes, but. Um, so that, that's one of my complexes is just, uh, struggling with, um, uh, appearance and, um, and this feeling of, uh, self, self-esteem basically. And, um, I just had this thought, I was like, wait a second, why don't I can give my own, I can be as beautiful as I want and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or is looking at me or is not looking at me, um, I can allow myself to to be this thing that mm. I, whatever this thing is, like it's, you know, these are arbitrary things that I'm chasing, <laughs> but it's still in my mind to be like, it's okay to be seen, to be beautiful, or to think of yourself that way, to, eat, to, to for me to even think of myself that way. And um, yeah, I guess as a kid, if you're not getting those messages if it's the the media that you're watching or the people in your classroom or whatever you know we were growing up in the era of britney spears and christina aguilera and like it's like oh shoot i'm supposed to look like that how, how mm. am i supposed to do that <laughs> as a 11 year old kid you know it's mm -hmm. all obviously ridiculous but um as a kid you don't think it is it's like everything and so yeah i just had that thought in my uh the other day, I was like, wait a second, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay to mm. actually want that and to express that in whatever way I decide to express that. Mm. Does that make it's, sense? It's, yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. And, and, and it does because I'm a very big proponent of uh, mental health. Mm -hmm. I, had, I had my own episode last year, which ironically, after it took me almost a year to recover and heal. And I think I would, if I were to put a, a timestamp to say, this is when I think UI really started to heal, I would say it's June of this year. And it really began uh, April of last year. 
and it happened to me after I had COVID and I was in Kenya and it's not as if I was in Canada and I also wasn't surrounded by family. I, I remember I was just the only one in my uh, apartment and of course I had to quarantine and all that. And it just dawned on me like, man, I could just easily die here. No one would even know. And then when I recovered from the COVID itself, that is when the anxiety attack started and it was really, really bad. So anytime I listen to people talk about uh, anything associated with mental health, I, I think if I didn't go through what I went through, I wouldn't have appreciation for it. But now that I have gone through what I've gone through, and ironically, I want to even start a business uh, creating a wellness center out of it as well. Um, I have a lot of appreciation, understanding for for mental health. I realize it's it's silent. You can't. It's not as if if it was a physical ailment, you can do something about it. You can either put an ointment on it, you can put a bandage on it, but it's inside. How do you go there and walk on your innards? You know. So mental health is a very very big thing, and I think the pandemic really brought it out in a lot of people. And I think it's it's it is it is with us to stay. And if we do not pay attention to it, unfortunately. People are just having silent and slow deaths. Yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so for you, if I were to ask, um, how do you deal or manage or work on your mental health? What kind of tools do you use to be able to 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 go there and and I don't want to use the word deal, but let's just use that word, if I may. Uh, what kind of tools do you use that helps you? Um, geez. Uh, many things. <laughs> I would say that um, I resp my body responds well to body work. So massages, acupuncture, um, osteopathic manual practitioner therapy. So when my when my bot, when I can, if I don't have some sort of someone um, healing me in, with those methods, I I can I start getting antsy. Hmm. So I know that things are you know things are in your body. So if you don't work them out, <laughs> then they'll get stuck and they'll they'll um, just cause pain and illness in your own physical body. So I think I would start there. Secondly, I would I would um, go with my art. I think my art is the most healing. Like it's the best way for me. I think for anyone, anyone can be an actor. You can anyone can go to community. Anyone can go to an acting class and work out anything that you are struggling with. Like seriously. So. The fact that I get to perform in the shows that I get to perform in is also very healing because you go through all these emotions in the span of two hours, mm. give or take, right? And so that is also very healing just to be able to go through these emotions and feel them and let them go out because after that you're, you just go home, you're done. <laughs> um, and other things too are that I... Um, don't regularly go to but uh just talking to someone i think my cousin is a great ear that both of us can lean on um and then 
actual therapy. Though I haven't been to actual therapy in a number of years, but when I do need it, when I do need therapy, I go to therapy. Um, but yeah, and I, and I often, if I catch myself spiraling, I go for a walk. I walk outside and I'm so lucky. That's why I really like it in Vancouver because I can just go for a walk in nature or by, by the, any body of water. Um, and I can work, work it out myself. I can't work out everything. Like I'm, there's something that I, that's coming up it, with me right now where I'm like, I think I need to talk to somebody about this. <laughs> I should probably, I should probably do that. Yeah. Cause I can't do that on my, I can't do this. I can't heal this particular, um, obsessive thought in my mind on my own, like I can with other things. So, yeah. Hmm. When we're having a chat offline, you were talking about dad and how dad is jazz guy and all that. And now you're an actress and also a playwright. Would you say dad was the early influence into you getting exposed to the arts and also falling in love with it? Uh, my dad is a Calypsonian. Calypsonian? What is yeah, that? Sorry, my bad. I, I, I said jazz. I apologize. <laughs> Jesus. Cal Cal Calypso, Calypso is a very... Is Different it very, music. Yeah, is it very um, centric to the Caribbean lifestyle and culture? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I, I don't know many uh, Australians that do Calypso, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, so definitely... Um, it's it's uh, comes from the Caribbean. Um, I no, I think it's my mother. My mother oh. actually, you know, my mother encouraged me to go to piano classes and and uh, indulge in uh, band class. I was I was such an active kid in terms of just like maybe not physically active, but I was always wanting to do something. So I was in. I was in band, I was in piano, uh, in the arts at least, and then and then I started drama. But it was I thought I was going to be a musician for my younger years. I thought I was going to go into music, but that didn't turn out. Um, yeah, so I would say it's my mom because my mom always showed up to my band uh, um, uh, performances and concerts. My parents both came to my concerts, but my mom was the one that encouraged this stuff hmm. i don't i don't really know why i became an actor <laughs> i wish i could tell you. you 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 don't know the inflection point that happened and you're like this is the path i want to take because it was like that light that hits the deer and you're just like oh this is this is this is this is where i'm gonna be and this is who i'm gonna become you, you don't remember that no like i don't think i had that i think i was just good at it I'm just good at acting. And uh, so I studied it in school. <laughs> I went, you know, to go study to be better at it, but I was naturally good at it. And um, I wasn't naturally good at, at being a musician. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that one I really had to work at. So that's probably why um, I steered away. I steered away from it. But mm. yeah. Hmm. What's the difference between a playwright and an actor and an actor? Playwrights are the ones that write the plays. So like Shakespeare wrote plays or um, yeah, anyone I'm trying to think of 
I'm trying to think of a... <laughs> Janet Sears is a Canadian playwright. She's a black Canadian playwright. Um, who else? Debbie Young. Debbie Antafrica Young is a playwright from Toronto, Jamaican. But she lives in or she's uh, grew up in Toronto. Um, Multi-disciplinary multi artist, I should say. Uh, what, what's what's her name, please? Debbie. D. E yeah. Dot. Oh wow, D, D dots. D that is, dot. <laughs> that is cool. Okay. <laughs> kind of like your name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, okay. B I. B I. And then Anita Africa. A N. I T, wait, A N I T I Africa, with a K. I think there's a K in it. And Young. If you just look up Debbie Young, you'll find her. That is a long name. She <laughs> okay. So oh, so most people know her as Debbie Young, but you are going the full length of Debbie Anita, Anita Africa Young. That's that. Well, no, I'm just meaning like you can find that. Google. Oh, easier okay. to Google. Easier to Google. Oh. To be young, and you'll find her. Yeah, yeah. She goes by. Um, I'm assuming her entire name. <laughs> that is a very cool name. <laughs> Gee, okay. Please continue. Sorry. Uh, no, I was just naming playwrights, but um, yeah, that's the difference. They write the plays for the actors to to perform it. So what's the difference? It's like a, it's like a screenwriter. Okay, because that's kind of interesting. I'm uh, sorry. I one thing one of the things that I like about the show is I just come in as a baby and ask questions that you're like you should know that, but I don't know that. That's why I'm asking. I'm a very curious person. Um, then why don't you just say why don't you just say writer? Why say playwright? Is it because playwright is writing the place specifically for just the play, and that is it? Well, um, not all writers write books, right? Not all writers write plays. So there's uh, playwrights, poets. Not all poets are playwrights. Ah, uh, got it, mm -hmm. got it, got mm -hmm. it. Because when I watch a show and I look at the, the credits, I see writer, I see screenwriter, and I see executive producer, then I see producer. I'm like, I just feel like, so for someone that is not in that space, I'm just like, I know these labels have a meaning, but sometimes it's just as if they're stretching it, you know. But okay, so playwright, I now get it. So you are unique in that you are both a playwright and, and, and an actor. Is that a unique combination or most times people just choose one category to stay in? In this economy, you have to be everything. <laughs> okay. You have to be everything. Uh, not that you have to, but it doesn't. And also just your creative, uh, your curi creative curiosities um, will lead you to many different places. So, I know many actors who are also directors. I know many uh, directors who are also playwrights or who are producers or who, you know, run a business, run a, run a theater company, but they're, uh, I don't know, a sound designer, something like that. Mm. So, yeah, people do kind of whatever piques your interest if you want to, because it's, it's also, you know, you want to get good at the craft because it is a craft type of profession that we're in here so whatever you want to get um what do you want to excel in you want you put most of your energy in that i guess and then you can explore other other areas i'm such a i'm a new novice baby playwright but um having the opportunity to 
um, work on my play because I have such huge ideas that I want to <laughs> write out. Um, I also have, like, I have a dramaturg, which is someone that helps you edit and streamline your ideas uh, so that you can um, write the play that you want to write. Sorry, uh, what's that word? What's dramaturg, that word? dramaturg, dramaturg, Dram dramaturg, yeah. How do you spell that? Drama, and okay. then <laughs> T-U-R-G. Sometimes it can be spelled, no, T-U-R-G. There's sometimes a, a E at the end. Sometimes it's like a dramaturg. Oh. Dramaturgy, yeah. Dramatist. So dra yeah. No, dramatist is a playwright, but yeah. <laughs> so so, so a, a, a dramaturg is the one that puts the skeleton around the playwright's idea? No. Oh, okay. Okay. They, how would I describe them? They are helpers. I don't really know. I don't really know how to properly describe what a dramaturg does. They are an outside eye oh, okay. for the playwright and to help kind of um, almost like an editor for a book, I, I assume is kind of similar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not that they edit it, but they're there to like go, Oh, interesting. What would happen if this happened or, or to encourage you? Like it's never, they're not trying to write your play for you. Mm -hmm. They are there to guide you through oh. the process. I think that's a basically, good yeah, basically like you saying, uh, I have some things inside of me and I wish I can just talk to someone about it. And by talking to someone about it, I feel better. So in your case, uh, the playwright shares her material or his material to the dramaturge and the dramaturge gives it a different perspective and makes the playwright to say, why didn't you think this way? Or what happened to this other part of the story? And then it starts to make you say, hmm, do I really want to go that in that lane or no, this is where I really want to be. Is that, is that kind of, is that kind of uh, correct? Yeah. Yes. In a way. Yeah. They're not there to necessarily force you to do anything you don't want to do. They're there oh, to, okay. they're there to um, help you tell the story that you want to tell. Help me tell the story that I want to tell. <laughs> Before we end this first session here. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question that you'd be like, this guy, <laughs> this guy is very curious. Um, how do you choose a dramaturge? Because that is a very, you know, just like choosing an editor. In your case, as a playwright, how do you choose a dramaturge? Is it somebody that knows you as Moniz or somebody that doesn't really know you that helps you to 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 think about things that you typically don't think about or don't even, doesn't even come into your mind? How, how do you choose a dramaturge? Uh, a little bit of column a a little bit of column b it's <laughs> it's a little bit of who you know and do they a do they have enough time b are they even interested in your play and um, do you think that you'll have a good working relationship and um, do you need someone who will give you tasks or do you just need someone who will uh, just be there like to support you like it's it's all about it's you know it's any sort of relationship that we get ourselves into it's asking all those questions like do you what do you want from me this is what i can give you uh is this what you want is this how you want to be steered to be guided and if it's mm -hmm. no then it's like oh that's okay um i know someone that can give you what you want here's the name of this dramaturge hmm. i like that okay <laughs> wow um 
I mean, this I have had so many conversations with people on the show. I have never had the word dramaturge, or even in my entire forty-one years of living, I've never had the word before. So, learn something new today. We are going to take our first water break with Moniz, and we'll be back in a second session. And I still want to get to learn more about her acting career and how she when she got her first big break. So, stay with us. We're back with Moniz. Oh, sorry about that. We had a, a bit of intervention. <laughs> Nephew needed to talk to the auntie. Um, so <laughs> I was asking um, Moniz, and she was describing to us in the other session about who a dramaturg is and how being a playwright. And I wanted to find out from her, um, now that you you said you just started to engage with this playwright side of you, what kind of stories do you gravitate to writing, typically? Ooh, I like to tell unique um, without giving any of my ideas away because <laughs> I like to tell um, kind of like dark, surrealist, um, maybe a little bit of, of like Afro-realist storytelling, and what I mean by that, I think the the best example would be um, Atlanta. Not nearly as prolific as um, what's his real name? Not Childish Gambino, whatever his real name is. Um, Child Childish Gambino is, an, is a musician, right? Yeah, like but he, but he's all he's a writer and he's an actor and he's a producer. He was on. That dude, he's yeah. so multifaceted. I have to say. <laughs> I'm forgetting his name though. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Atlanta has that kind of Afro surrealist realism in it, which is is very interesting. And I like to tell. I like to engage in that. I like to engage in. Um, I haven't seen it, but I've only seen many many commentaries about it. But Bo is it Bo Durham, and kind of. Um, I like telling stories about this crazy world that we're living in. Like we can't even tell sati satirical stories anymore because the satire is real now. Trump for like something like Trump for president, who would have thought that that would be reality mm. and, and it became mm. real. So I like to like s and do like subversive stuff, subvert reality a little bit. Um, I like to do things like that. <laughs> I can tell you the story that I'm writing right now because this one is this one is oh, good. Please, sure. Uh, it's called Burnt Cork, and it's about uh, originally it's about like having generations of people um, talk to each other, different generations, and actually being uh, like hundreds of years apart and being able to talk to each other in a space of limbo, like in a death space. So I have um, written it so that Sandra, loosely, very, very, very loosely based off of Sandra Bland and this black actor who was a blackface actor in the turn of the century named Burt Williams, that they come together and they kind of, um, um, it's more than a discussion, more than a conversation, but they, they interact with one another in their, in death space basically in this limbo space and 
we get to interact with Bert and his troop back in the 19th century and we get to kind of uh, imagine uh, or I'm imagining uh, certain situations that Sandra is, ha is having in her real life um, with her parents and whatnot and then we see them all come together in limbo and so it's this these based off of real people but my complete imagination because I don't know who any of these people are um, and, and and it's a story of of how do you get how do you move on how do you move on from being uh, criticized or being chastised or being downplayed as a black person basically in your life life how do you move on in limbo to to get through that to go past death, I guess. Hmm. Wow. Um, <laughs> <is it? laughs> I'm like, so so is 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 uh, is Bur is burnt cork like like picking into afterlife? Yes. Oh, okay. So it's um, it's almost like. They have passed on, and okay. Let me speak. UI. UI yeah. is reading. UI is reading. Burnt Kirk and Moniz, the playwrights. Of course, it's all about you. Don't the author never really wants to tell the audience how they should enjoy the work. They should just enjoy the work the way they want to enjoy the work based on so many factors. So let me tell you what was playing in my mind. As you were telling me, the 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 I want to even use the word epithet. I don't know if that's a correct word to use or snippet, a real snippet. Considering that I've not read the work, but listening to you, the author of the work, it's explaining to me. Let me tell you what was going through my mind. What was going through my mind was Sandra Bland and Bert Reynolds. Is it Bert Bert Williams? Sorry, Bert Williams. Yeah. Yeah, Bert Williams. Uh having a conversation after death, and you, I who is the audience engaging this work is in the room and I'm picking the curtain and listening to these two people that have already passed away, but I'm seeing them having a conversation in afterlife. That's what was going through my mind. Is, is, that, is that kind of it? Yeah, so theatrically it would be, it, it, it's these two, it, it's, it's more, than, more than them, but it is these two um, people who meet in limbo. So after they die, they meet in limbo and the limbo is, you know, when you go to theater on stage, it will be presented as whatever the designer decides that limbo looks like. My limbo has, um, it's a certain, um, aesthetic of, of, of chairs with no seats, of clocks with no hands, of, um, you know, starkly reds and then muted, muted colors. Like that's what my imagination of what their limbo is right now and slowly disappearing and so they meet in the space of disappearance again and they kind of are their goal is to get out they need to get out before they themselves disappear and getting out means i don't know whatever the next stage is after none of us know whatever when you die what comes after death is there something else that comes after death i don't know so but they are still aware and can communicate with each other and so they communicate in this 
limbo world and they do there's a whole bunch of flashbacks of past and present and um some some twists and turns <laughs> and yeah without reading the play of course it's um uh it might be like what is she talking about but yes that's basically <laughs> that's basically uh the premise of these two completely different generations uh, both black people um both um immortalized in some way Bert, Bert, uh, Burt Williams, <laughs> immortalized in, in what he did and being the highest black performer being paid of his time at that time. And then Sandra Bland and her work at, in, uh, well, her being immortalized in death too. Uh, and during that movement, uh, 2015. So uh, we get to see them yeah. kind of, you know, are they going through the same things? Hmm. <laughs> what has changed between the turn of the century, 1900s, and to that 2015 like what what really has changed has anything changed and it's beyond um it is race and then it's beyond race it's family are their families the same are their friends the same like what are they what are they struggling with what did they not um i'm playing with the idea because i don't know them personally as i said what have they not been able to reconcile on earth that they need to reconcile in this limbo place in order to move on if that is the case. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm listening to this and I'm waiting to hear something, but I'm going to ask the thing. And of course you have the authority to say, I'm not going to share because I want to keep the suspense. But did these people explore a romantic interest in a way? In the play? In my yeah. play? Yeah. Um, no, they don't. Okay, okay. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know why that was. I don't know why I was waiting for you to tell me that. I was just like, hmm. This seems to infuse, and I think maybe a spark flew somewhere, and then it was like a romantic interest started to develop. I don't know why that. I was waiting for you to tell me that. Well, one of the things too that, like me personally, that I have been exploring in my life is trying to have friendships with men, just friendships, and so this was an opportunity to also explore what's it like just to have. I don't know if I would call them friends in the in the in my play, but they're definitely just people. There's a, it's a guy and a, it's a man and a woman, and they're just talking, and nothing about the relationship is um, romantic in any sort of way, or there's no hints of that. So it was interesting just trying to like write friends <laughs> or just people who chat and talk, and so it's a um, it's a little bit of a parallel. I mean, I guess, write what you know. So <laughs> I'm writing what I would like to explore my own personal life in my plays and uh, or things that I haven't been able to um, explore yet. And I'm uh, also trying to live it and see what it's like. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. You know, it's, it, it, it's, uh, I was having a conversation with uh, a friend a couple of weeks ago and we touched on that uh topic you just talked about about just being friends with the opposite sex and she was saying it's very hard for her to just have friends that are guys because she just feels that later on they come they come in the guys that they just want to be friends but later on she starts to realize that actually no that guys was not right it's not correct they actually were coming in the other direction on hoping that something would uh, materialize in a 
a romantic or sexual way. And she's like, it's so hard for me to just have friends that are guys. And I was like, ah, yeah, I, I totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess, I think as a guy, I have friends that are girls and in my head, they're just friends. Mm -hmm. But I think for women and may I say a very as we were talking earlier, according to society, a very attractive woman in terms of society's kind of whatever. I think those probably, maybe those kind of women maybe struggle because they're just like, how am I sure that his agenda is what I perceive it to be or is it different? So, yeah. And it's funny that even me listening to your story about Bert Williams and Sandra Bland, I was waiting for you to tell me that they had a romantic interest. That, that is kind of weird. I, I mean, wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. And and um how how is it like being an actress in a theatrical play or being an actress in a movie that we typically uh associate because I mean you, you acted in supernaturals and all these other um movies that are entitled to, to your work. Is there is there is there two different skill sets needed for those two different platforms? Uh, definitely, yeah. Supernatural is a TV show um, that I was in, and it, yeah, I would say the film industry. I'm still trying to figure out. It's so hard. Um, the theater world is. I've just been doing it longer, so I I know it. I just know it better. Um, so yes, I would say I would say that there are there are different skill sets. Um, not in any sort of, you have to know how to use a camera. You have to know what the camera is and what the camera is doing when, when you're in front of it. Um, whereas sometimes if you're mainly a film actor and you try to do stage work, sometimes it doesn't translate as well <laughs> and vice versa. Sometimes you're a theater actor trying to do film work and it doesn't translate as well. So it's just some, and oftentimes too, I would say it's just finding the right, it's finding the right um, media um, genre, I guess, of film and TV. If you're a theater actor trying to figure out where, where do I fit? How do I fit into this world? Because not everybody's going to be on CW network. Not everybody's going to be on um, Bravo network or or stuff like that. Um, so. I'm still in the phase of trying to figure out where do I fit in film and TV? And are those shows even being cast and shot in Vancouver? Should I move somewhere else where I could have a better opportunity of um, working in film and TV? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I do personally think that they're two different skill sets. It's still acting. It's just knowing how to how to change between one and the other. It's the same with stage acting. It's the difference between working in a small, you know, small theater versus working on a hum humongous stage. You have to. The technique is different. Your voice is different. Um, how you move your body is different in each space. Mm. So in, in 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 Canada, where is our Hollywood? Is it Toronto? Or is it Vancouver? I Canada doesn't really have Hollywood. It's not it doesn't really do that. <laughs> oh, a lot okay. yeah, it's not really uh and I'm not an expert in the film and TV industry, so I can't okay. 
I can't um, speak on that speak with an authority. Exactly with authority, but I, I, we don't have Hollywood. We don't have a star system, so that's the main difference. Um, yeah, Vancouver or Toronto are your best bet in terms of trying to get access to film and TV work, but it's just a matter of like where do you fit in? I would say to figure out where you should live. Mm, mm, mm. So for you, for you that has really understands the the theater, the theatrical world, um, which genres do you enjoy most in kind of um, acting in? Because as you, as as I'm listening to you talk about this, you know the play that is coming in my head right now, Medea, mm. uh, Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. That that's what's just going in my head right now, but I don't know why. So for you, which kind of genres do you enjoy most? That uh, that you just find that it's almost like a glove for you? Um, I'm most practiced in classical theater. So Shakespeare and uh, old, old English plays um, is what I'm most practiced in. But I, I do it all in terms of genre. Wherever I can, wherever people see fit that I can um, uh, embody. It's all about, can I tell the story? Can I tell a story? I'm pretty good at telling stories. So <laughs> if I can tell the story and I, you know, all this work is, is contract based and you have to audition for these parts. So I can't be very, uh, what's the word? Um, choosy. I mean, I can a little bit, but not, if I want to work, I'm going to have to do it all kind of thing. What I said before, where everybody in this economy, everybody has to be everything. So, I kind of have to be good at, at everything um, if I want to work. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a specific thing that I do mostly or that I personally enjoy more. It's just, can I get work? It's <laughs> mm. the main um, thing. The, the main thing. Yeah. And, but you know, the way um, Amandela described you to me is, she's like, you I, my, my cousin, Moniz, is always working, unlike most other actors I know that are uh, always looking for work. So that's the way she described you to me. She's like, she is always working. I don't know how she's been able to just always plug herself into a play or into something, but um, that's, what she, that's how she described you. So what would you say is your secret sauce and always working because do we know of so many other actors that are struggling to to find work i made a commitment to myself long ago that i will i want to make i want to make money that's what i wrote something like that i want to make money in the arts hmm. so i just do that i'm one of those people that's like i want to be this okay <laughs> I have to really want to be it in order for it to be, but it's like, I want to do this. I will do it. I won't stop. And I will mm. be the best at the thing that I decided that I wanted to do. Mm. Mm. Okay. Interesting. I... <laughs> That's so, the so only, you... really the only reason. I how, 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 how far, how far in the world have you traveled to do work? Is, it, is most of your work always in North America or you even go to Europe to do work? I haven't gotten it. it it's, it's, I would say it's difficult to do all this inter, even as a, someone who's just a regular worker, 
it's hard to you know do international work you visas and all that kind of stuff so yeah most of my stuff is in Canada um, I'm doing a US tour of a play right now um, but that's with this company the company is getting us the visas and whatnot and we're going into the states and doing all these uh, performances at these theater companies but I can't just go somewhere and decide to work right you can't really do that <laughs> Yeah, but, 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 we, but we hear of actors that live um, wherever their homes. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a perfect example. He left Austria Sorry? and went. I said Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a perfect example. He left Austria to go to the US because it's like, man, that's where the action is really happening. So um, if I'm, I'm just asking, couldn't you leave Canada and say, man, I'm going to California and I'm just going to be in the center of where it is and hopefully by symbiosis or something a project to come and that is how i'm going to start to blow up or you're really saying i really want to make it here in canada is that what it is i'm not sure what uh advantage would be for me to go to california like i don't know what i would be getting from that <laughs> other than like a different perspective other than um feeling what hustle feels like I guess out there because you're up against way more people than you're up against here in Canada there's just less people population wise anyways in Canada and less that and therefore less actors so you're not competing with you know so many people as if you're going to Hollywood um, I'm perfectly content being in Canada. I don't see I don't see what the reason would be to go to the states for me right now. So many American TV shows are filming up here and movies are filming up here. So again, like what would really be the the point of going to LA? Um I guess if you wanted to make it big, but then that, that you have to for me, I'm I'm understanding the difference between um work and you're chasing after i don't know i don't know what people are chasing after because if i'm already working here why would i go i'm not quite sure why i would go somewhere else um <laughs> and like what i would really aspire to do like i want to get i'm saying this now on this show okay <laughs> i really would like to get into the canadian market of film and tv and not the U.S. market that films in the U.S. I shouldn't say that. I want it all. Okay, first of all, well, I'm not going to turn down any work here. But <laughs> I am. I am inspired by Canadian film and TV. It's so quirky and so Canadian. I I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of telling Canadian stories because our our comedy is so unique. Our uh, dramas, I think, if we steer away from trying to do it like the American style is very unique. I want to be involved in telling those types of film and TV work. Hmm. So if if someone is listening to this, like myself, I <laughs> uh, wants to experience an original Canadian work and story, which which one play or movie would you recommend okay um like just go to cbc gem and cbc so, gem 
yeah cbc gem free streaming service it's all the cbc content because cbc oh, okay. is mostly doing i would say proper not proper that sounds so bad but like you can tell it's canadian stuff um you know little mosque on the prairie is so canadian <laughs> um uh corner gas um even to kink in my hair which was um why am I forgetting the playwright here? But that was uh, essentially a Canadian playwright. And then the play turned into a TV show. And now it's, there's going to be a remake or a reunion in Toronto. And I think it's next year, 2023. Um, those are all so uniquely Canadian. And I, I just really like it. I love it. <laughs> wow. I was right. I was writing them down. Little Musk on the Prairie, CBC Gem. Is CBC Gem a website or an app or what is that? Yeah, it's just like a streaming platform. Oh, like Crave. Yeah. yeah. Ah, but okay. But it's free. Never knew about that. Okay. <laughs> and then I also wrote down the kink. The kink on my hair or in my hair. The kink in my hair. Oh, the kink in my hair. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. corner gas. Corner gas is like silly Canadian. And then there's the new stuff. Like I always, I like Schitt's Creek. I like um, Strays is currently on. Um, Kim's Convenience was a play Kim's, that, that was, turned that was into a, a movie or a TV show. Yeah. Kim's, I, I really enjoyed Kim's Convenience. That was funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Originally yeah. a play. Mm. So there you go. <laughs> wow. Very interesting. Um, when I was reading, um, so... Just for the audience, there's a question that I always send to every guest before they come on the show. And you said something here in one of the questions I asked you. You're currently studying sustainable business leadership. I was like, very interested. Um, what's, what attracted you or made you say, I want to study this course or even something in business? Is it to understand how to relate that back to the acting world or make you a better business-minded uh, actress and playwright? I was struck by um, what was happening during the pandemic. Like all my artist friends, we all lost any sort of stability. Um, not that we had any stability in the first place because we're all contract workers, but <laughs> we lost all of our work. And it was really scary to not be, um, not that, not not be useful but there was no safety net there was no structure in our business the 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 theater industry or the the acting the performer industry that says oh okay so you don't have work in this area we'll just put you we'll do this do this thing and i was struck by that and how one in one moment you have it next minute you don't and so um, I wanted, I was enticed to go just, I was looking for like a leadership course in general because I am fascinated by leaders and fascinated by what leadership means and what it is and uh, how to lead, who are good leaders. Um, I've worked in so many companies and I'm, you know, absorbing, absorbing all of that information of Who's a good leader? Who's a good manager? Uh, what are they doing in order for me to want to be part of, to want to um, 
um, agree with their mission, their vision. I've been soaking all that in and I've been fascinated by wanting to learn about it. So did a little Google search, <laughs> found this particular program and the fact that it's also about sustainability uh, is a huge plus. And um, it just so happens it's a business course. So all those things, are, like it just so happens. Now that I'm in it, I love learning about business and what that mm. like industry because we all are involved in industry, no matter if you're a worker or if you are an owner, we are all um, um, cooperating or operating under this market system. And I'm fascinated by how us in the, I'll do this just very um, specifically in the theater world are how we work in industry. Like how does our industry Sometimes we don't realize that as artists, we think that we're just, we're just artists. We can just be artists. And I love that notion, but because of the world that we live in and this world is all about market capitalism and operating in the market and you have to, you know, what the deliverable, like you have, all these things are true even as artists. So I'm fascinated by how to, how to market theater again because Canada doesn't really have a culture of people going to the theater Canada in general maybe some communities in Canada but I don't know do you go to theater I used maybe to you do like, maybe you do yeah <laughs> uh -huh. I, I and I appreciate it and I will be honest I was exposed to theater by one of my exes and mm -hmm. it's she's even a season ticket holder with um the theater downtown here in Calgary uh I've forgotten the name but when I was with her, I used to go to lots and lots of plays. Almost every Friday, actually. It was our thing. Mm -hmm. So I really have a big appreciation for, for plays, especially now that I, I created the show and I'm having conversations with various minds in various industries. Um, I find myself also being a part of a play. I consider this in my own play, you know. So I have a lot of appreciation for the arts. Actually, it was... Um, it was the arts that got me introduced to this recent um, musician that won a lot of Grammys at uh, plays for, um, oh my God, what's the name of the guy that wears glasses on late night TV show comedian? Uh, but, um, Baptiste? 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 Oh, the artist, the, okay. Um, the, 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 jazz, the jazz guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he actually came to Calgary and when I saw him, I was like, there was no way I would have, gotten exposed to his work unless I was going to the arts or to, to the theater as often as I used to. I, I want to get back, but I find that um, somehow I also need a pool. But I have to tell you, I really, really enjoyed it. Yes. It's, 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 it's an experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And I'm fascinated by like, how did we lose people? Like on a business mind, I'd be like, well, how do we get you back? And why did, a lot of it's a lot of women statistically that uh, are going to theater or are taking their spouses or their partners or whatever to see shows so and not a lot of men on their own will go see a show but women on their own will engage in the theater because men will probably go to a sports game <laughs> and then you know like they'll <laughs> which is it's neither good nor bad like it's it's just like uh, how do we market, like, how do we just get more people going to these cultural events that aren't just sports? 
How do we engage in all that? Because I think there's so much uh, fodder and so much like wealth that you can get from watching. I know I get so much um, inspiration and I learn just about humanity when I'm in the shows. So I'm fascinated to, to know and I would love to bring more people to come see shows on their own, willingly. They're just walking down the street, they're downtown, their show is up, let's go. It should be as simple as that, but I'm not quite sure. So that's what that's the business side that I'm interested in. I'm also in, interested in um, what is the sustainability um, models in any of these theater companies and what are their policies on you know the environment, the, the world, how the world is changing and all, all that all that good stuff. How, how long how long do you have to go with this program? Oh, well, I'm only doing it part time because I'm also working. <laughs> it's right, really. Yeah. It's a two, it, is it is it a two or three a, year program? It's I think it's like ten months. Oh, ten months. Okay, all right. But that's full time. That's full time. Okay. Yeah, so I have up to four years to complete it. I want to do it quicker, but it's hard to. Uh, all of the they do have classes, Zoom like online classes, but if I'm all of my work happens. As a theater artist, you rehearse in the daytime, but then when showtime starts, your shows are at night. So it's really hard to figure out a class system for me to be able to go to class. <laughs> basically, basically a structure, a structure. I need things to be not structured because I, oh. right? Because I only, because of the way that, it, that my schedule usually works, where for a month, I work in the day and then for another month I work at night. Oh. So, and then sometimes I'm not working. Mm, mm, <laughs> mm, mm, mm. I need I lots see. of flexibility. Lots of flexibility. Yeah. So basically, I, we are hoping that the course will make you another Tyler Perry, if I may say. Be both business minded <laughs> and also be very creative as well. Yes, I don't know if it would be a Tyler. I wonder if there's a different model, but yeah. Nothing oh. wrong with Tyler Perry, but. <laughs> I was like, who is there somebody else that I can be like? I'll be the next mini speeder. <laughs> Very much so. Why not? I mean, we talked about we talked about difference earlier on in the in the in the first session and how at the time when you were younger, difference was almost like you didn't like it, but as you get older you get to realize that actually difference is a it's it's what makes you unique, you know? Mm -hmm. So in your own way, you're crafting out your own journey and if I have a conversation with someone five years from now they're like I want to be the next Moniz and you're like man I spoke to her five years ago and she really wanted to be different so I'm so glad that uh, uh, her modicum for what she wants to be has now inspired somebody else so yes indeed yes, yes. fantastic so we are going to take another break here and uh, come back and have uh, a conversation with Moniz on two other uh, sessions that I really like to have conversations with guests on that come on the show and uh, we'll be back with uh, Moniz shortly. Hey everyone, um, good morning. This is a continuation of a conversation with uh, Moniz. I believe Moniz and I spoke, started our conversation literally two weeks ago. But when you're having conversations with very busy people like Moniz, uh, this is what happens. You have to press pause and then come back and continue a conversation considering 
how busy her schedule is. And now she is in the United States. When we spoke the first time, she was in Vancouver. And now she's talking to us from Utah City. Is it? No, no. Utah as a state and Salt Lake City, I hope, as a, as a city. Correct. Ah, so offline, we were talking before we uh, came on here and I was asking when we spoke initially or via email, you were in another city in the United States or not actually in a complete other state. And now you're in Utah. I wanted to ask what took you from where you were before, which I can just tell everyone it was L.A. And now you are in Utah. Like what what's going on in this uh, merry-go-round trip that you're currently on? I was in Palo Alto, not LA, but in California, oh. the state of California. Oh. oh, okay. Okay. All right. You weren't expected to know any of that. No, I'm doing a, um, a U.S. tour of a show called Prince Hamlet. And it takes us all across America um, for seven weeks and then a week in Quebec. So it's eight weeks long. And yeah, every week we're in a new, we're in a new city. And so... It's just a ASL bilingual with like ASL American Sign Language and English um, uh, translation of William Shakespeare's The Hamlet. And it's a company out of Toronto called Why Not Theatre. And yeah, we're touring it all across um, the U.S. Mm. So if someone is listening to this. okay, continue. Oh, no, that's it. Now I'm in Salt Lake City and then I'll be in. Next week is our last week. We're done. Oh, next week is your last week. Oh, okay. So uh, if I may ask, from Palo Alto to uh, Utah, um, how many other places have you been to before arriving in Utah? And where where, where else is the final stop, which is Quebec, as you said? Yeah, so we did uh, Penn State, um, Pennsylvania. We did Montclair, New Jersey. Um, Urbana, Illinois, three Davis, California, Palo Alto, California, Salt Lake City, Utah. Am I missing something? I'm missing one. I can't remember. I might not be missing one, but I can't remember. Um, oh, North Carolina. North Carolina. Were you in Charlotte or Raleigh or where? We're in, yeah, in between Raleigh and we were at the University of North Carolina. Uh, what was, I can't remember. Doherm. Doherm. No. Whatever the university is in North Carolina um, that Michael Jordan you, went to. <laughs> oh, the light, the, the light blue one. The one that wear the, the, way the yeah. light blue uh, jerseys. University of North Carolina. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because when you said when you said uh, UNC, it's funny. There are so many universities in Charlotte there that I, I get confused as well. But UNC has the green and the white, and I think that's a HBCU university. And mm. then the one that Michael Jordan went to, the Crimson Tide, I think that's what they call them. No, Crimson Crimson Tide is Alabama. Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. I, 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 I know all these things because of sports in terms of college basketball and college football. So that's how my my brain orients all these universities in, in, in the States. My question is, um, why only one city in Canada, considering that this production company is out of Toronto? I thought they also want to do a tour in certain other cities here in Canada. 
They already have. So this is the second time that they, this is the third time that they did this show. So they did um, a run in Toronto and then they did a Canadian tour and now they're doing a US tour. Oh my, how, how, how is it like touring, uh, doing all this plays in different time zones and everything? I mean, it, it looks very, excuse me for using the word, sexy for us, like, oh, we're traveling and everything, but does it get very tiring for, for you as, as an actress, especially the one that is actually part of the play, reorienting your mind to different time zones and different um, unpacking, packing and all that kind of stuff in terms of life on the road? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, it's it kind of sucks that uh, celebrity seems to be the only measure of what like we do as artists, but it is just a job like any other person that has a job that is on the road, like a traveling salesman. Like, <laughs> it's a job that we um, do. So... Uh, I, I don't know how glamorous it is. It's not, I mean, we're in hotels, <laughs> you know, hotel life for eight weeks is, um, it's fine by me because you get so many things taken care of. I don't have to really make any, I don't have to make my bed. I don't have to clean my bathroom. Like those are all the per perks. So I guess maybe that part is glamorous. I don't have to, uh, some of the, a lot of the responsibilities that I would have at home if I was doing a show, I don't have to do. I don't have to cook, mm. <laughs> you know? Um, so I just, I just need, I just have the time to, um, uh, prepare myself and get ready to do the work. Mm. And uh, so I, I don't think it's glamorous. It's, I would say that it's a nice welcome of the daily responsibilities that I would have to do normally if I was just situated in one place. Um, and in terms of is it hard? I don't know. I as I said, I used to be in band, right? And so I've I'm used to touring. I know how to. It's it's not new to me, and like the muscle memory of being on tour and what it's like to, um, you know, manage your energy your energy levels because you have to work, but you're also excited to go and see things. When we were in Illinois, um, me and another castmate went to Chicago. And I really want to go to Chicago, get some time off. So it's also about like managing, managing expectations, managing your energy levels, managing um, just all that, all that stuff. But I imagine it's kind of the same. And for anybody, like if you're a parent and you have to manage your household as well as going to work, um, <laughs> I know maybe that's not the best comparison, but I guess I, I just... I just, um, I see it as, as adults, these are just things that we have to do. I just, I just happen to be having to do it on tour only for eight weeks. And then my life will be somewhat back to normal mm. <laughs> when I get back home, but that's not until March. I have many other things before I actually get back home. Yeah. Wow. Till March. Yeah. Jeez. You know, I, um, you watch, um, not you watch. I watch um, interviews that um, these mu musicians or sports uh, athletes give with the, the media, and um, especially the rock bands. One of the things that I hear from the older um, musicians is like, man, the only aspect of the job that is kind of challenging is the travel away from family. 
uh, for a long extended period of time, or you hear an athlete going on uh, um, on stage when he's about to collect an award and he's thanking his family for the sacrifice and saying, man, I had to be away from home for nine months, you know, during the season. And then the three months I have with my family is so precious to me. It must be really, really challenging if someone has a family to be away for that extended period of time. Just like you said right now, like you, you probably are not going to be really back home until March of 2023 and we are in november of 2022 so imagine if you had a pet or something that would be crazy um i mean i guess that's i guess that's the drawback with the job right in terms of just always being on the road um yeah i mean that's i, I guess that's for anything that's for everything like um I, there's an interview with Michael Jackson where where I can't remember what the question was, but it's something along the lines of uh, the interviewer's like, can you talk about how much you like touring? And then Michael Jackson's like, I hate touring. I, I hate touring. And then they're like, can you please, 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 please. And then he had to like put on his performer mode and he's like, I really love touring. It's the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing. <laughs> but it's so <laughs> <laughs> funny like you know you see you only see the performance the performance part of us you mm. don't the rest of us and so people think that we live in this glamorous life all the time or um we are you know we are we people think that we're our inst like that we exist on online like we're our instagram profile pictures when you know people are walking around in their sweatpants like <laughs> there's there there are lives behind this and i'm not saying i'm i'm a celebrity i'm not a celebrity at all but i understand when you say oh i'm an artist i'm an actor uh i'm a musician um there is that a little bit of a stigma where they think you know it's easy <laughs> but yeah i have to be away I'm often always away because that's how I need to find work, but I'm caught on mm. a contract. Uh, I don't get paid a lot. Um, uh, but I love what I do. Um, I don't know what else I would, <clears throat> I mean, I have many other aspirations of things that I want to do, but this is like one of the freest jobs that I've ever, that I can think of for me to be a part of. Hmm. Like if there is any job in the in the world, I would say this. I feel the most free in this job because it is a job. It's not like a I don't know what the another term would be, but it is it is still a job. <laughs> I'm not, mm. you know, like I want to quick. I I'm working just like you're working. Mm, mm, mm. I see. So there was there was um something you shared with me, and you said during the pandemic you spent um almost all of the time with your nephew who was seven at the time. And then he turned eight during that period of time. And then I've I'm also guessing that during the, the pandemic uh, kind of jobs kind of dried up just because of what was going on around the world. You couldn't, you couldn't stage plays and, and bring people into this theater and things like that. How, how was that for you spending almost all that time with your nephew during the pandemic? What did you learn from that time? Because now you're stationed in one place for a long time. I think probably maybe you could 
you could educate us and tell us maybe that's the longest time you've stayed in one place for a while since you really got into the flow of being uh, a stage actress and also a film and TV kind of actress. So what, what did you learn during that period of time? Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> I learned that it's really hard to be a kid. <laughs> um, and remembering and trying to remember what I was like at his age. And like when he grows up, he's gonna be like, when he gets to my age or even 20. He'll be, he'll be like, oh, remember that year where I missed school and we just, you know, it was just home every day. I was very thankful and lucky. We were in North Vancouver. So we were outside all the time. We were in the mountains. We would go, you know, a long, long, long walk. So like I wasn't indoors and the weather was always fine. Go to the beach. Like it was perfect. <laughs> it was quite lovely um, under the circumstances. But yeah, I learned I learned what it what it's like um not very well, but I I I had a, a little perception of what it's like to be a caregiver or to care for another human being that isn't just me. Um and I was there to help my sister too. It just so ha like it worked out perfectly so she can go to work and then I could um look after my my nephew. And I've never because I'm the last child in my family. So I've never um, had to, I've never been with another younger person for that period of time, because I'm the last. Mm. So that was also like really nice to like be around a kid, <laughs> be around a kid. And as I said, see life through that lens and um learn how tough it is and my nephew is also just so kind and so um loving and I wish I could be like him <laughs> yeah and it was hard too it was it was it's it was hard to hear some of the politics that were going on in terms of what it's like for people who are contract workers and who like completely lost any future like right in the flash of their eyes hmm. That was hard. How, how how did you how did you cope during that period financially, knowing you not knowing where the next opportunity was gonna come and if the opportunity was gonna come, considering that Canada was so really strict with with uh, with uh, with, uh, with with COVID and everything, so there was no place for us to gather. Which if we don't gather, you don't you basically don't have a job. So how how did you cope during that period of time, mentally, financially, and what were you really doing just to stay active? Yeah. Um, I think many, many, many people went through um, kind of come to Jesus moments during the pandemic. <laughs> and uh, I debated, you know, I'm going to get out of this industry, uh, trying to oh, find wow. financial ways of, of securing financial security. I'm so happy. So I will, I will always find I seem like I will always find um, a way to fund my life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Canada did, well, our union, so the ACTRA, the film unions, the writers, union, like all the artists unions, 
um, really worked hard at lobbying the government to include contract workers and artist workers who completely lost all of their livelihoods. So another other organizations also lobbied for that money that we were all able to get. Um, because, you know, some artists, I mean, artists, but also some other people, uh, like they just really like actually couldn't, it's not like they're, they, it's not like they didn't want to work. They actually wasn't any work in the thing that we have been trained to do. Like there just really wasn't any work. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> um, I'm thankful for our, my, my unions that I was part of for lobbying the government and including us as part of that financial security to get that money. Uh, cause that wasn't the case in the U S um, that I know of, like the, the, the stories that I've heard. So I, I'm, I'm very thankful that I, um, was in the pandemic that I'm in Canada during that time. Cause if I was somewhere else, I don't know if I, how I would have survived. <clears throat> um, yeah, mentally, I did a lot of writing. I tried to figure out that's when I actually discovered that I wanted to go into business, just take this, these leadership courses and how I got into business. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like it was a, it was a, like a little bit of a roundabout way. I was actually going to do something else and more sciencey. And I'm like, I was trying to do something with sciencey, but at the same time, my brain is like writing and like in a creative mode. And I couldn't quite figure out, I'm like, how did I do this when I was in elementary and junior high and high school? How did I like have all of that? And I remember like, I wasn't good at those things. That's why. English, <laughs> <laughs> social studies, writing stuff, um, <clears throat> puzzle piecing thingy. That's kind of why I like business because you have to solve problems. Um, so, and be inventive, like creative, like, so it, it appeals to that side of me. Um, but I was going to do something in the sciences. It was going to be a, a, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a, an osteopathic manual practitioner. What is that? I got my book of anatomy and physiology and I tried to soak in this information and it just wasn't going in. So I was like, I can't do this. I'm not going to do that. That's just like a, a type of uh, manual manipulation, like body work, like a, a physio or a, um, it's it's not physio, it's not chiropractic, it's not chiropractor's work, and it's not uh, massage. It's just it's a different type of modality of of mani body manipulation and body so, therapy. Okay, hold on. If it's not chiropractor massage, that I already have a, a visual of what they do. What does that terminology that you just used that is very long? What did they really do on my body? Or when 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 do I think of coming to that specialize that's that when do I seek out the person that's got that specialization? Uh, anytime. It's like I mean everybody should be seeking out all of these body modalities at all times, in my opinion. <laughs> and you just okay. go to, like, uh, I don't particularly like certain physio places. But I'd rather have I'd rather have somebody work on my body than get um, exercises to do because I don't think I don't feel like that helps me per se. Um, but I do like manipulation, so I don't know. I didn't take the course. I've only had I've only gone to an osteopath, so I can't tell you 
um, concisely what they do, but it's just, a <laughs> and so I don't want to uh, say something as, as if I'm an expert at it because I'm not, but it's just a type of body, body work, body manipulation, body therapy. Hmm. And when you say osteopath, you mean O-S-T-E-O-P-A-T-H. Hmm. I'm going to have to do a research on that one because I've never heard of that. That's a very long term. Because immediately I had immediately I started hearing you say osteo something. I just I started thinking of bones. I don't know why. Yeah, there's elements of the bones, um, and like a, a alignment and working with, you know, all of the just all of your anatomy and your body to get to you know the a proper or a more not proper but a a better state that you that you're that you're what get your body <laughs> better. Aligned all. Yeah. 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 Wrong with your hip. They might not work on your hip. They might work on your neck. Something's wrong uh, with your toe. They actually work on your back because it's all connected and they just do. Like if I go to a massage and I'm like, yeah, I work on my back because I want them to work. They're not going to work on my foot when I tell them to work on my back. Right. Okay. <laughs> So basically, yeah. an osteopath is somebody that if you come telling them where you've got pain, you probably, with your massage and chiropractic kind of knowledge, you probably think that they'll be going to exactly where the pain is. But a very experienced osteopath can say, mm, that could just probably be your finger, even though that is not where you're experiencing the pain. But they walk, they, they do something on the finger and all of a sudden the pain, I don't know, maybe at the back of your neck, all of a sudden disappears because... They understand how the body flows. Yeah, I would I would ah. say that. Again, I'm not I'm not that, <laughs> but that's kind of how I understand. Um, I understand it's more yeah a little bit more holistic than just treating the spot. They treat the whole thing. So, I have a very inquisitive mind, as you can tell. Um, why did you think of osteopath during this? period of crisis and like hmm, okay maybe maybe it's time for me to have a, a career change or maybe another additional career choice in case this happens again why was that the one thing that came to your mind at that time to to consider I was already considering it because I had an experience with an osteopath that that was amazing and I was like oh my gosh I want to learn more about how you do this type of work um was already in my mind and so I was like well now's the time to just do it mm. <laughs> did it and I'm like oh I'm at this it's like I can't do this <laughs> mm. I see so I, I guess I guess that the other thing that I'm just guessing here you can confirm if I'm if, if I'm correct the pandemic even though it shut down the industry the way you know it and you were blessed to be in a country like Canada that had the unions that they had so that they could still keep you guys going which is the members of the union did the pandemic also make you realize that oh my god, I really got a passion for acting? Hence why you are still you're still an actor today or an actress today? Yeah, like I think what I do is very important. And I think that um being artists are reflections of society. And so if if citizens and people indulge in that, I mean I guess so is sports, but that just shows you more fighting and more competition. Um, that's like only one side of of humanity. 
And then when you go into the arts, like if we can be a well-balanced society, we would watch it all. You would go watch the gladiators, you'd go watch some football, and then you would go see a ballet because that would balance you out as a human being. Um, if you're just like, you know, just doing one thing all, all the time, you're just getting one message. But I think what I do and what what art is, is so important to society. It shows you, it reflects back to you what you, <laughs> ultimately. Like that's what we're trying to do is just be a representation of our world, um, of each other. And if you can see that, and if I'm doing my job correctly, well enough, um, it can change you. It can change the world. It can change society. I truly believe that. I honestly believe that. I think it's so, 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 so important what I do. Could could that also probably be why, even in the military, you see that they invite actors and actresses and musicians to come and play and perform to the troops just to increase morale? Could that be intertwined with what you're talking about, where it's very important for the society's psychic to have the arts and the entertainment just because that is what makes us as a holistic human being or social being in, 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 in this in this in this world as as you as you just described. I mean, I don't know. I have absolutely no idea uh, on that terms, like where eventually humanity will evolve out of the need to have a military because we just would like to love each other and care about each other so <laughs> sorry i, I i'm just I'm, I'm i'm like thinking as, as you said that in my mind just thought to that kind of utopia and i'm like will that really ever happen I'm, i know i went to costa rica and costa rica doesn't have an army which i'm like that's crazy like you're surrounded with all these neighbors that are very hostile and then you don't have an army to protect yourself but please continue your thought i apologize it's just i just started thinking because i'm very geopolitics so when you start talking in that terms i can really stay there with you but no but please continue yeah i mean we're not really old like we're only a blip on the level of humanity so there's more humans to come and I can only imagine that they'll continue to evolve out of this. You know, we get better and better every year. We're still, <laughs> we're still, the fact that we still kill people is like pretty primitive, I would say. Um, we're far more superior than our past people, but we're still in a level of whatever. Um, so yeah, I imagine it might not be in you, you, you and I's, it might not be in our lifetime where we see where I'm, where I see this envisioning, but it, I mean, I think it's a must because it, we won't, we won't survive. Like humanity won't survive if we continue killing. It just, just doesn't make any sense <laughs> on a, on a evolutionary level. And like, just in thought, the fact that we still even want to kill is just a weird, it's just weird to me. Uh, and I, it's weird to me that I, I know that humans, that will come after it. Like there's going to be, we're, we're just like this. There's going to be billions of other humans that will come after. Us. And I, I would, I wish I could be there and to see what that society is. And I hope it's a society for the better. But uh, in terms of <laughs> back to the military, like, I don't know how to answer that particular question in terms of why 
um, because even, yeah, I don't know if you're an artist, you can even choose like, why do I want to go cheer up troops who are killing? It's just a weird thing. I don't know. That seems weird to me. <laughs> I understand. You know, it's funny. I immediately said that I, as you started talking and sharing your own views, I was like, I'm sure if the this was my thought. My thing was, I'm sure if this if this opportunity were presented to you, you'd be like, no, I'm not gonna do that because it doesn't tie in with my values. Even if even if the paycheck or the the payout was really good, I don't. The way you're talking seems like you'll probably turn down that opportunity. Yeah, like, where was I? We were in, I don't even know. It's been so many weeks. We were, whatever state I was in, <laughs> someone said, oh, no, it was North, it was Davis. It was Davis, California. California, yeah. Very liberal place. Yeah, somebody said, yeah, we we actually do, um, um, we we get we do greek tragedies with um youth youth in prison and i was like youth in prison yeah i guess there's youth in prison but what why is there youth in why are we locking up youth this seems so weird to me like even just that notion of how art can exist in a place where youth are in prison is just is my, I, I, this, I don't know why I'm going down this train, but it's just a mind boggling, mind boggling um, term because it's like, could they have used that art out of prison? Like, would that have helped them? Like what, <laughs> why are we, why? I don't I don't know how to explain this thought that I'm trying to have. It's just like a, such a weird, I guess it's kind of saying this too with uh, art in the army and I'm not, I don't want to deprive, you know, active members of any of joys of life because they're obligated to that as well. And youth are obligated to youth in juveniles, youth in prison are obligated to, um, you know, exp also expressing their, uh, and, 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 um, having access to art and all this kind of stuff. So I'm not saying we should take that away from them, blah, blah, blah. The, the concepts that I'm just like the extremes of there are people fighting and killing people. And then there's art. And then there's these youth who are going, who are trying to be normal and having going, doing Greek tragedies, but they're locked up behind bars. Like after their rehearsal, they go back and I just like, it's just mind boggling. It's just mind boggling to me. <laughs> what, what, what is, sorry, what is Greek tragedies, please? Oh, like a Greek, like a, like Euripides, like, um, Trojan women, like, uh, um, um, the Greeks, the, the Greek tragedies, <laughs> like, um, I don't even know. Like if you're in an English class studying probably in, um, I would say maybe North America, maybe Canada. Uh -huh. it, like these are the earliest forms of theater are these Greek tragedies. And um... actually, you know what? I just uh, 
pulled it up as you were talking here because it's just like when we were talking the first time, the first part before you traveled and you talked about, is it dermatogs or dermatog? I was like, what, what is that? So you are, you are really introducing me to terms I've never heard of before. But this is what Greek tragedy says according to Wikipedia. Greek tragedy is a form of theater from ancient Greece and Greek inhabited Anatolia. It reached its most significant form in Athens in the 5th century BC, the works of which are sometimes called Attic tragedy. My, my, my question now before, of course, I need to dive in if I really want to understand this. Why is even the word tragedy assigned with arts and theater? I, I don't, I don't get it. Like, is it, is it, if you, if you go to watch a play with Greek tragedy, expect to have a morbid, a morbid experience? Is that, is that why it's called tragedy? This is gonna this is gonna be longer than I have of time here, but <laughs> it's just the type of story. So a tragedy ends in maybe people die, and a comedy ends in and it's just the way of storytelling. So um, uh, just narratives in our life, like you know, uh, I'm trying to think of just whatever story. The Toy Story, Toy Toy Story is a comedy because Anne's happy although somebody does somebody die in that sorry for any spoilers but or um um it's just like an it's just like a genre like a a, a type of story telling oh so there's greek there's greek tragedies there's you know and then as you keep going on there's melodramas there's just comedies there's when you expand it onto tv there's the style the format of what a sitcom is and that follows a, a structure there's dark comedies and that follows a structure there's romance uh uh tragic romance tragic comedy like there's all these it's just the way the story is told and what oh. and basically how the character changes or doesn't change how the world changes or doesn't change so it's just framing it in in those terms that's 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 why yeah so 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 greek tragedy could be considered a subgenre of a larger genre just like if you have uh, action movies okay what type of what what subgenre of action movies are you talking about is that is that basically what, like how i should or the audience should try to understand what greek tragedy is if i'm if i'm speaking to a leonard a leonard crowd which in this case uh professional actors and actresses or something like that is that is that am i correct i i don't know i i think so i can't i don't know i would just i would i don't know if i go so deep into it it's just like a tragedy ends in death <laughs> a comedy doesn't usually end in death hmm. so it's it's the, the types of storytelling uh, an action movie, there's just it's just always action. It's probably just plot based, like Die Hard. They have to <laughs> he has to he has to how's it? He has to get out of the he has to save his wife and there's so many obstacles he have to go through and they end up winning in the end. Um I would call that a what would I call that? The world doesn't change. He doesn't he doesn't change. He just gets through I think his wife's still divorced. And anyways, it's just a type of the way you tell the story and the way the outcome is. I could be wrong. <laughs> you could be right. And though, if that's the way that you understand it, I think that's a, a that's, I think that's right. Interesting. All right. Awesome. We, 
on that. So <laughs> no worries. We are gonna take our first break here uh, on this second part of my conversation with Monisa, and we'll be back uh, for another session. So please stay with us. So offline, Monisa and I were talking, and my mind was like, Monisa definitely must have a patent or something for philosophy because. There were two questions I asked her, and the way she answered the questions really threw me off. Where, I mean, if you're the audience, if you're following, uh, when I asked her the question to say, is that why the military always invites artists and musicians? By the way, musicians and artists are all the same terminology, but just trying to make it easy. Actresses and musicians, they, they, never, they never invite medical doctors to come see the troops. <laughs> they always invite people in the arts to come see the troops and perform for the troops and stuff. And I'm using the US military here, for example. And then, of course, what was Monique's answer? Monique, why are we even fighting? And I'm like, Lord, have mercy. So I was out. I was not, I was not asking Monique's, Monique's, do, do you enjoy philosophy or do you have, you, do you just, do you like philosophy? Because you also brought up Greek tragedies. That is Socrates and Seneca and Marcus Aurelius and all of them. So I want to know if you enjoy philosophy. I, I mean, my job is to study the human experience. Hmm. And with that, I am in, I'm constantly living in other people's shoes, other people, my body, but other people's stories, other people's shoes, you know, the time I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm not um, Hamlet who kills someone. I'm not Claudius who, uh, you know, kills his brother for power, like, but we play these characters. And so we have to like, you know, inhabit what, like how you even got there. So I have a lot of empathy in terms of like, how, how do we get, because I'm, as I'm studying, like, how do we get, how does a person get to the level of X, Y, and Z? Most of the time it's just neglect. It's a lot of neglect, right? Um, so I say like on a bigger thing, on a on a global scale, there's still fighting, there's still all this stuff because we're neglecting, we're neglecting. And um, yeah, I obviously, there should be consequences for bad actions, obviously. Um, but can we imagine a different future of it not having to be locking someone up or tor torture or X, Y, and Z, like I, you know, I have, I have, you know, um, um, ancestral, not knowledge in my mind, I can't tell you, but just ancestral uh, trauma of what it would have been, what, what slavery was. And even then I'm, or what it's like to be taken from your family. What's it like to be taken from your homeland? And not every black person has that, but some some do. Some North Americans, some um, African Americans in in America uh, would have that, um, but not every single black person has this ancestral trauma. So I I, re I recognize that, but um, I also have to be like I'm. I want to be. I want to, uh, you know, um, give homage and give thanks to the strength of how my family line got to where I am today and I'm able to go on these, you know, experimental 
tangents in my brain and imagining, okay, what would it be like now that we did that <laughs> and humanity explored what that darkness was, let's explore what it would be like for utopian. I don't understand why that is, I shouldn't say I don't understand, but I'm, I'm curious as to why people have a hard time envisioning that because all I do is envision like, that's just my job. <laughs> I soak in, I have to read a lot of, I read a lot of um, just stories. I really love stories of, and you know, they're not all true stories they are made up. There are imaginative or imaginative stories, people just writing things. Um, I think Hamlet is very universal. I think it's even to this day, to me, it reminds me of like making a murderer, uh, like how someone can become a murderer. It's all in your head. Hamlet is so heady. Um, so yeah, the question was, am I a philosopher? Sure. I mean, I'm a, I'm a curious being of just curious about the amazing possibilities that us as humanity can go to. That's exciting to me. And I'm not, I don't agree. And I'm not stuck on this notion that like, this is it. This is not it. We're just, as I said, we're just, we're so young as a human species. There's more to come. We'll just get better. Our engineering, our engineering will just get better. There was something you said there that I wanted to expand on a little bit. Would you say that, I, I love the way you said, and it's really true, for you in your kind of job and everything, empathy is a very big thing because most times you're taking on roles that you don't really agree with the... I've never really, um, really, never really been a fan of uh, of uh, English classics and stuff like that. I find it very ugh, Macbeth, and I'm like, oh, she's kill me now. Thanks. I don't even know why I'm taking this class in university. Please, it doesn't tie in with what I really want to do. I, I'm in business administration. Why are you telling me to to read about Macbeth and stuff? But uh, here we are, me having a conversation with someone like you that is taking on these roles. And I can see when you say you need empathy to be able to play these roles because sometimes the character might have done some things that you like maybe don't agree with. But there was something that you said that I wanted to expand on or understand, which you use the word neglect. So would you say most of the time when you you see someone doing something out of the ordinary, which is not normal, let's say that juvenile in detention, that uh assaulted someone or maybe people that go on and have killing sprees and stuff you can tie everything most times not everything i don't want to uh give it a very big encompassing word but most times if you go back and look at childhood there's there's neglect somewhere there is, is that kind of correct yeah i mean i'm not a doctor so i and i'm not i'm not like any no, can't psychologist like, or anything yeah 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 this is just Manisa's dot like I'm open for session this is Manisa's corner like so <laughs> yeah it's like unmet needs unmet hmm. needs like what it comes down to well I shouldn't say yeah this is Manisa's corner so I'm just gonna speak how I speak um I think a lot of it comes down to like what's what's the difference between me and some kid and me as a kid and some other person as a juvenile in jail 
I maybe had more love. I had a place to go home to. I had uh, some of my needs taken care of and that person didn't get their needs taken care of. And they didn't, they also weren't taught how to take care of themselves. They weren't taught how to, you know, some, some people, their minds, I guess, chemically. Yes. That's another thing where like you are chemically, um, sociopath or a psychopath um that that is something different but um yeah if you think about it what's there between me every time I see people on the street I'm like what's the difference between me and you like in two if I if I lose two paychecks I could be easily there and then what would I have to do to survive probably the same thing that you're doing like the the degree of separation between me and someone who acts on their need to kill because their needs weren't met is very small. I had my needs met in certain ways and in other ways I don't have my needs met. Uh, I didn't get my needs met, but in order to be who I am right now, I was in a healthy, I wasn't neglected. <laughs> that's what I'm saying and <clears throat> so that's on a human level and then if you think about the world you know the world is telling us right now I'm I, as a, a nature like there are areas of, of me that you're neglecting or you're you're raping can you please stop and we just keep doing it we keep excavating we keep uh, pumping co2 in the air like we're neglecting even our duties as stewards of this planet so yeah like what's our our responsibilities, once you know too, right? It's like, once you know, you can't unknow that you're neglecting or that you're causing um, harm to someone or yourself. And it's not about like, oh my God, now I have to like, you know, say 50 Hail Marys and like, you just gotta <laughs> figure out what, part of it what part can you do what part can I do to now that I know what part can I do to um heal the planet and tell it tell it that I love it because it's also a living breathing thing um yeah that's the whole that's everything that about neglect we can neglect ourselves and then that translates into neglecting um our appearance uh our just our well-being and then it can transfer into neglecting um, nature and the world and the planet. Basically, if you neglect your body by eating junk, there's always going to be a repercussion for that because the need of healthy living was not taken care of. And then unfortunately, you start getting some diseases that puts you in, in the medical infrastructure. And then you ask yourself one day, why did I get here? That again, if you really look at it, I really like this a lot. If you really look at it critically, it's all back to neglect of something. Yeah, and some, yeah, and like, sometimes you need to ex indulge and experience eating junk until you become aware of what you're doing. And then you, you see can, what you, 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 you see, you see why I say you're philosophical? Oh my God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. This is very interesting. I like the way you think. You're like, you know what? Uh, no, actually, you know what? Enjoy the junk too, because actually enjoying the junk would enable you to understand, ah, 
<laughs> there's also oh this is interesting man your mind is amazing okay sorry please continue <laughs> yeah. please continue no, no, no. i'm just saying like never I'm, I'm more saying like hopefully don't beat yourself up don't because i i'm guilty of this too like i'm learning how to not beat myself up when i take a, a left turn because for some reason i need to go down that that road um, I need to, and if for me, my terms are as long as I'm not harming myself or other people, I can take that left turn. Um, harming my, I mean, that, that's a, that's <laughs> without consent, um, or with consent, um, you know, it's not black and white. It's, we're all just, we're trying to live, we're trying to be. And so, um, I have to figure out, I have to still figure out what are these needs that weren't met for me? Where was I neglected as a kid? Cause that's leading. Cause I'm, I'm still, although I'm older in age, there are still areas of my life that I didn't grow out of. And so I need to figure that out. So I'm like, we're all just trying to figure it all out. And so I give a lot of grace to, I'm giving a lot of grace to myself and I have to give a lot of grace to us as a human species trying to we, we are we are trying to move forward and it seems like it's hard right now and it's just like uh, um um but yes as i said in, if you need to indulge in some ice cream because you, that's what you want to do do that to your you, give yourself that love and be okay with that <laughs> Um, but then once you, as I said, once you know, then you're like, you know what? I think I don't want to eat ice cream anymore. I'm done with that. I think I've experienced, I've, I've gone through that. I've experienced that. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need to go through that. Anymore. That, that, I, that would never, that would never happen to me. I love my ice cream. Oh, or like whatever. I, yeah, whatever, whatever, uh, all that, all that is. And then, I don't know. I can I can talk in circles. I can go on and on, and you, you'd be like, "Yeah, but Manice, you can you contradicted yourself when you said this and this and this." Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because of all because of all the left turns we have taken, I have a question to ask you, which is, as an actress, what are your favorite kind of genres to play? I know you probably still have to play the other genres that you're probably not really a fan of, maybe Greek tragedy. <laughs> uh, but but what kind of genres do you enjoy do you enjoy uh being a part of is it uh i don't know romantic uh theater arts or what what is it um i don't know if it's about enjoying uh but for me it's like the next thing that i would love to try and, and uh, uh special not yeah i guess specialize in or like get more experience in, experience in is comedy comedy is very difficult and I really want to learn how to how to do it, and so yeah, and comedy, com like TV comedy, film and film and TV comedy, um, theater comedy. Yeah, I want to learn how to be better at. As you can see, like I'm so I'm so I'm great at the dramatic stuff because <laughs> mm -hmm. that's just where. I, but I I want to um, I want to develop my comedic skills because I think I could do it.
Can, can you can you develop comedic skills? I thought it just comes with you if you are funny, generally. Can you develop being funny? Um, yeah, it, it's a start. I mean, it's always it's always a good start to, you know, start in a in that place. But no, these are all skills that you can learn. They're all skills. You can learn you to know, be an actor. I actually think I could make a good actor, actually, because I, I really feel that um, I, I can get into certain characters very easily. I think I've actually had people in my family tell me that. But um, if, if, we, if we want to talk about comedy, someone like Eddie Murphy or Dev Chappelle, those, it just comes naturally to them, don't you think? Or do you think if I wanted to become Eddie Murphy or Dev Chappelle, I can actually develop that? Yeah. Wow. It Sometimes, like, this comes back to, again, what I was talking about at the beginning. It's like, you only see the Netflix special. You don't see all the work that got them to that. That takes practice, that takes going to uh, comedy shows and, and, and delivering your stand-up, your five minutes, um, perfecting it, perfecting the tone, perfecting where you pause, perfecting. Like, there's art to that. There's, there's craft to that. It's not just, eh. <laughs> it's wow, that's interesting. Actually, I probably would ask someone to listen to the first episode of the show and now maybe the 15th episode and see if they wanted to dissect my developments. Would they say, wow, you are, you're really growing in this aspect of things just because you're, go you're going to the bat a lot of times, you know, if you like, if you use the baseball analogy. You take that bat and you go to you go back to that place and the pitcher pitches the ball and you swing. All of a sudden, you are now learning the techniques of when to swing to know that mm, I've seen that, I've seen that throw before and I'm going. I'm not going to swing right away. I'm going to hold off and then swing. So that's kind of very interesting because I would have probably thought Eddie Murphy and Dave Chappelle is just natural to them. They just wear their clothes and they're always funny. But you wouldn't say that to Beyonce, you wouldn't say that to Michael Jordan because there's so many documentaries of how he got to where he is. Like they, that's skill, that's practice. He didn't just wake up one day and was good at basketball. Mm. Hmm. I, I, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I would never have, I would never have thought that comedy was, could be taught. I thought comedy, you just, you're either funny or you're not funny. But listening to you now, and it's like, wow, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. That's why I say this is work. It's not. It's not like, oh, I woke up and I'm an actor. It's like I went to school. I learned how to be an actor. I've been doing this for however many years, and I get better every year because I watch I, and I do a lot. I put in those 10,000 hours of practice. And it's the same thing with all these people who are celebrities. Um, but they're not just like, they're not the only people that exist in the world. There's other comedian comedians that you've never heard of, but they're also on the road, they're touring, they're perfecting their, their craft, they're writing, they're figuring out how to write the best jokes, you know, it's work. Hmm. You know, <laughs> come to talk about work, you and your cousin, Mandela, who is the one that introduced me uh, to you and who also has already come on the show before. Uh, you guys have been, right from when you guys were kids, you guys have actually been doing things together. Like you, you notified me and said that uh, you guys did some things 
during the Black History Month, even and even when you were kids, you used to play, uh, go and plays like Christmas plays and stuff. So for you, it's almost like one could have predicted the career choice that you are in. Ironically, both of you are actually in the arts. You know, she's she's a writer and a poet, and you also a writer and an actress as well. So it's like prediction from early childhood. It's kind of someone that said, ah, this two would definitely be in this track. So back to development, I guess you've been developing yourself right from when you guys were kids. Yeah, I had no idea that I was going to be an actor. I didn't I didn't know I was going to be a, an actor. I didn't know I was going to be a performer. I didn't know I didn't know what I wanted to do. So it's But yeah, yeah, me and man, me and Amandela um <laughs> You're about to call her Mandy, but continue. So I know her, but I know <laughs> Um Yeah, you know, slept in the same crib. She's only a a month older than me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I look back and she's so right. Like we used to we used to do our pageants as kids. We used to um do our talent shows during Christmas time. Like we used to do all, all this stuff. And yeah, I, I, now that I look back, I, I see now, of course I would have been an actor <laughs> um, uh, or some sort of performer. Cause I really want to be a musician actually. Uh, but mm. uh, actually, yeah. You, 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 you were singing before we press record uh, and stuff. And I said, my, you've got a good voice. And you're like typical, I'll probably say typical Canadian down downplay no it's just everybody sings you know but please continue sorry uh, yeah no no it's just yeah it's it's funny how um what you do as a kid ends up like i don't know what you did as a kid if you like to talk to people all the time and now you're in this uh role that you're playing at the moment um at this part of your in, of your life so it's interesting it's like oh i didn't even realize that this where i would end up um but yeah, yeah, no, we, I wrote and she sang, she's the singer. That's why I say, I don't really sing, man, uh, I'm in Del And so oh. I wrote a piece to act out and I wrote in what she would say or what she would sing. And so we did kind of like a, uh, a flow a tree. If anybody knows who flow a tree is type of yeah, that, that band. <laughs> yeah. Type of, um, performance piece and I'm like we need to do that again we need to do something together again we need to perform again so hopefully in the future whenever I'm back or wherever we are um, we'll get to do something together again because yeah we're like two peas no we're, we're the same person we're like two peas in, we're not the same person but we are um, that's where we jive well we, we sync up really well when we are creative with each other mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think uh, my path to doing what I'm doing right now and I'm enjoying it most importantly. Actually, every time I speak to someone on the show, my day, when I finish the conversation, my day is great. Like I really get so much energy by just having these conversations. But if you're not Bert, if, 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 talking about predictive things from childhood, yes. I don't think anybody would have predicted that this is what I'll be doing, but speaking to people, 100%. Because I remember when I was a kid and my dad was um, uh, a senior person in the church. And every time 
church was over, we knew we were not going home right away because there was going to be a meeting that he was going to be attending. And when he finishes the meeting and they start looking for me because we need to go home, they will find me talking to a group of people and people are surrounding me and listening to me and I'm in the middle just talking and talking. And then when I finish, my father sometimes would join the group and be looking at me. And when I finish, I remember one time dad looked at me and said, when I finish, and I said, I'm done. And everybody dispersed. And uh, my dad looked at me and said, you know what, UI? Even though it's very annoying always looking for you after church, just keep doing what you're doing. So it was very interesting when I called my dad in the summer of this year and I said, this is the path I want to take now. And my dad was like, interesting, because I've always been talking. I, I think not only just talking, but I'm very curious. Like, I'm very curious about people's stories. And I just want to always pull the thread to understand, huh, how did this all tie in together? And by so doing, I, I actually become very intelligent that in the next party I can go to now and I can talk about Greek tragedies. And they're like, wow, you are very sophisticated. <laughs> What did you say? Art is work. And art is work, yes. Especially the people you see in comedy, trust me, they really spend time to become funny. I never, honestly, I never thought about that. I thought you're that funny or you're not funny. Be before before I segue out of this session, I just, my last question, on this, why is comedy of interest to you? I just love, like, one of my favorite shows is Seinfeld. <laughs> I don't know. I, lo I, I love Seinfeld, too. He's funny. It's so funny. And I'm like, how, why is this funny? I want to know why it's funny. And I've been watching, like, and I, the next show that I want to write, I, I, I want it to be, like, a stand-up show. Um, and so uh, I'm learning. I'm like, it's hard. Like, you have to learn how to write like that. You have to learn how to set set it up, set up the punchline or set up the story and then have a punchline. Like you have to learn the mechanics of comedy. And when I watch um, Seinfeld, there's some episodes where I'm like, this is the perfect, like they just did a perfect comedy script. Like it's just so perfect. And that's why I love the show. And I think that, and then the characters make it too. Like it's a, the characters are so extreme. They're not real people. They're, they're extremes of, of, of people. Um, which also makes it funny. So it's there's like all these elements of um, of how to make comedy work and how. So I, I I'm fascinated by it because it's something that I just don't know. Hmm. Drama, easy. Classics easy, comedy difficult. And I'm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm for me for me. And I'm interested mm -hmm. in how like, if you were talking to a comedian, I'm sure if they were to transition and go the other way, it, it would also be a little bit a little bit of a bump for them, a learning curve. So this is like, and I want to write it too. I want to write this comedy. Um, so I'm interested in how to do it. I'm also in um, uh, improv. I started doing improv, which was for a lot of actors is terrifying because there's no script and actors are trained with a script. Mo most traditional actors. So it's like, oh my gosh. Wow. When we when we delve into when we get our you know our our wits with our together and we delve into improv, it can be so scary, but it's also so freeing. I'm learning that I'm learning how to do improv correctly because that also that's not just like oh you just go and do something. There's there's technique, there's form, there's there's a way to do it so that because we're doing it for an audience, right? Mm. Audience. Uh, 
yeah, and uh, the audience is just as important as as us, the performers, as us, the performers. So, um, it's good to yeah, it's good to just stretch my acting and my performance abilities in all these ways. And these are the two ways that I'm I'm I would like to get into improv as I'm doing right now and comedy specifically. If I were to watch um, a play or a movie with you, how how would you be like on the other side? You watching another production? Are you? <laughs> is it easy for you to watch a play and just be like, and 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 enjoy the play, or are you watching the play or the movie and be like, hmm, why are they doing it that way? And stuff because it's ever since I started the show, I started listening. I, I love before before even creating the show. I love podcasts generally. I think I think if you really want to become a very learned person and maybe you don't have time to read lots of books on that topic, just subscribe to as many podcasts on that particular topic and then all of a sudden your expertise starts to increase. So but I can top. tell you uh, sorry? I have so many podcast recommendations that I hope I have the opportunity to share. But anyways oh, Definitely please, for sure. Um but I can tell you that ever since I started the show, I've been listening to podcasts very differently. I don't listen to podcasts the same way. I used to listen to podcasts the way before August 8th when the show was launched. Is that the same for you as an actress watching other people's work if you're on a date or something or just hanging out with your friends? So we had a bit of a technology mishap there. At one point, I, I realized that Moni's face was not moving. And I was like, that's a, that's a long time to stay on a smile. Um, but Moni's, the question I was asking before we had that technology mishap was basically, do you can you enjoy uh, a show or a play or a movie just like us? Or are you like me now that I listen to other podcasts and I'm like, I'm not just listening to the podcast like, a normal audience fan or something. I'm actually listening to Len. I'm actually listening to say, hmm, would I have done it the other way and stuff? Because it also helps to improve me in my craft. Is that the same for you as well? Or you can you, you know how to switch up? Yeah, I mean, um, I find movies hard to watch because there's only superhero movies. Like that's like the only thing that <laughs> exists right now is taking over. Um, but I love, I love going to the movie theater to watch horror. Cause that's also another genre that I'm like, how, how can you fright? Like, how do you make me scared playing on? I find that fascinating. I just like watching things cause it's fascinating to me. Um, I like watching, uh, I do like watching plays and not, and I watch it, yeah, a little bit with an eye of like, oh, uh, this X, Y, they're doing it this way, or oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. Like, of course, that's just whatever. That's just part of, um, you know, anybody who goes and, you know, sees something, they'll be like, oh, I would have done it the other way. Like, that's just part of our lives. So, um, but I do have, as I get older and more in, in, in this career, I go, I just want to like, watch it. I just want to like, what are you going to do to me? I want to be affected. I want to let whatever effect you're trying to have on me, have on me. So I, I try to indulge in where they're trying to take me. It's, it's taken me a while to be able to do that though. 
before I would be so critiquey, critiquey, critiquey. And now I'm just like, stop it. And just like, go on the journey that they're trying to take you on. Mm. Follow that instead of critique. But yeah, taken me a while to even <laughs> have the, the strength or the courage or the, the, the know-how, like the knowledge to know um, mm. how to listen differently in that way. Listen, that's interesting. Um, you were saying that you also enjoy listening to podcasts. What, what are your favorite kind of podcasts on your, your phone right now? Because most people listen to podcasts on their phone. So what kind of podcast do you enjoy listening to? Yeah, I'm going to get them up right now because I love podcasts. So classic, um, The Read, I always listen to. Um, when you say, when you, sorry, when you say The Read, R-E-I-D or R-E-A-D? R-E-A-D, The Read. What is what is that about? It's just two people talking about Crystal and Kid Fury. There's these just two people that talk about it. It's a pop culture, I would call it. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Old Switch, NPR, also great. I'll, which one? Is it Fresh Air? No, no, Code Switch. Code Switch, oh, sorry, okay. I thought it meant Fresh Air by NPR, okay. No, no, this is another, like, um, kind of culture, um, culture, cult, color, and pop cult, like, pop culture. It's another, like, uh, one like that and uh, i love it still processing oh I, I, do they have more episodes is that coming oh yes they have new episodes thank god uh still processing what 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 is still processing about it's wesley morris and jay wortham um talk about culture it's more but they're two like queer black people and they talk about culture i just love when people talk about culture because that's how we just know what's happening in our world and our lives yeah. uh and then, like, my political podcasts that I listen to are Canada Land. I find that really uh, helpful. I have, I have seen that a lot, but I've never really paid attention to it. What What is Canada Land about? I've seen it a lot, like, especially on the chats. Canada Land. It's, 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 it's high up there. Yeah, it's just another, like, if you want to learn about poli Canadian politics and not from the news and in, like, a more, like, a democracy now kind of way, I would call... I would I would listen to uh, Candleland, also the Backbench, which is more also political, just to figure out like what is happening in politics in Canada because I I only know what's happening in the states. We have so much of that, and I don't know what's happening in Canada. If you want to talk about philosophy, oh my goodness, no one's going to listen to this, but I highly recommend. <laughs> no one is going to listen to this. I'm actually going to write this down for for somebody <laughs> in my life that I know that loves philosophy. Please, what's this one called? It's called Seriously Wrong. And it's actually S-R-S-L-Y. It's what? S-R-S-L-Y. Oh, S-R-L. S-R-S. Oh, S-R-S. Okay. L-Y. Oh, interesting. That's like. Seriously wrong. Okay. That's described as it's like perfect for me. It's utopian leftist comedy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Immediately we hear the word utopia. That's definitely Monique for sure, because she doesn't want anybody to fight. Why, why, why do we have soldiers, please? <laughs> like they have okay. uh, what even a library, what a library economy is. I'm not even going to start that thread because that would take us down a, another uh, thread. But Tangent, yeah, library economy, 
blows my mind. Uh, and then and I listen to my climate podcast because I'm still new on climate change and or learning about climate, not new on climate change, but learning about its actual effects and and how it relates to business. So Climate One, I listen to classic on being classic so good and what, um is that is, is is that about uh theater on being no, the classic one you just talked about is that is that about is that about i'm saying climate one is okay. one and then i'm saying on being is a classic like it's a og podcast like a uh what's her name her on name being. oh my gosh never heard of that one Krista Tippett. Krista Tippett. Krista Tippett is a marvelous um, interviewer, and she just hmm. talked. Yeah, if you want to get some insights like, on how to improve my craft, <laughs> and a great interviewer, and has such wonderful questions that she asks her her uh, guests, and how she engages her guests are just so brilliant. I just love that one. Uh, you know, I'm going to ask you what what is it about? How does she engage her guests that you really like? What kind of what 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 makes you attracted to her interviewing style or her conversational style? I think she has a way of understanding a guest. Well, the way that it's presented to me on this podcast, so I don't actually know. I'm sure she, I know she has a team of people, right? But the way that she's able to engage and understand her guests, it almost seems like she's like, whoa, how did you get, when I listen to her ask a question, it's almost like their response is always like, wow, that's such a good, like, how did you even think to ask me that question? Or how did you even like know that that is what I was trying to put out in, let's say a book that I wrote? Like, how did you know, um, yeah, I don't. <laughs> it seems like she she has this great quality of opening up her guests uh, intellectually because they're it's they're mostly like these intellectual um, people, but like intellectually, she has a way of oh, just opening them up. That's something different than some than someone like Oprah. I okay. Whoa, whoa. Are you, what are you saying? Are you saying Oprah doesn't open people up? Because I actually feel that Oprah does. Well, I don't. I don't know because Oprah is a name, so I don't know if Oprah opens herself. Uh, if Oprah does it because of her questioning, or if it's just her celebrity. Like I don't know. Um, I would have to go back and watch like her old stuff and see how did she engage in, with people. And um, she's also under restriction. Like podcasts are different because you don't have to, you don't adhere to anybody. Um, but on network TV, you have to ad adhere to, to certain parameters and whatnot. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just think I don't, not one is good or bad. They're just different. I just find Krista's, way of interviewing more the only image that's in my mind is like she's like a she's like the raindrop that opens up the flower or something like that that's what i find <laughs> did i just blow you your mind 
you know, because I'm because 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 I'm yeah, because I'm very visual. Immediately, you said raindrop and the flower opens. I just felt like a water dropped in this flower and then it just blossomed. I'm like, oh lord. Okay. Yeah. But wow. I mean, my opinion. So you you go and have your perusal of all these things I'd mentioned. <laughs> I, if, if I if I if I even had an iota of a relationship with the lady you just mentioned about uh, on being a podcast, I would send her a little bit of this clip and just say, "Use this to market your show." Because my God, the way she just described it is, you know, because of what you now said, I really now want to listen to on being. Actually, I'm going to listen to it today as I'm going to to walk into because I I listen to podcasts mostly when I'm walking. Uh, and when I'm driving, I cannot listen to podcasts when I'm stationary. It's kind of crazy. I need to be in motion to listen to podcasts. Is that the same for you as well? Well, it's how we take on, take in stuff, right? Maybe, yeah, you need to in movement, which is why it's so counterintuitive that we have to sit in our desks and like try to get in what the teacher is saying to us when we should be walking. We should be we should be in gym class as they're trying to teach us about um, math because maybe I would have gotten more. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to pull that thread, even though I really want to. But I would I would just let that one be because my God, we're going to go in a very philosophical line. Um, is that is is that is that some is that most of the podcasts you want to share with the audience, or is there other ones there that you two more or so? Let's see, uh, I did my climate one. Uh, another just comedy one. How did this get made? So funny. And then how, how to what? How to what? How did this get made? Oh, okay, okay, okay. The eccentrics by UI. Uh, oh, please don't don't do that. It's not it's not even on rotation. I know that for sure. But anyway, continue. Uh, let's see. I think I think those are the ones that I would that I will share. Yeah. I listen to a, lo a, a lot, but those are the ones that I that I constantly listen to. What 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 kind of music do you typically enjoy? I love jazz. jazz oh is my, my god! Okay, now 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 we are connected. Okay, <laughs> don't ask me I any because I, I, I love jazz. <laughs> I love jazz. Anyway, continue here. No, I love I love jazz, and I I grew up playing classical music in in, in band. Or just like yeah, classical. Um, so I like classical music. I I have a affinity to it too because every Saturday when we would go to church in Canada, there's the, um, this program called is it Saturday afternoon at the opera, and I was like they'd always play the Met, what was going on at the Metropolitan Opera, and um, because I was raised Seven Day Adventist, we weren't really allowed. Oh. We could, you know what? I was about to say that. You for you to go to church on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we only our only options were like just the CBC and we couldn't listen to like pop radio. So I grew to enjoy that. I love listening to classical music. I love I love jazz. Um I wanted to be a jazz musician. I wanted to be a famous jazz musician. Is that's what I wanted to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like all music too, but I used to have a radio show, so I used to play. Um, we would, yeah, I played a whole bunch of different types of music and whatnot. I think we already talked about the radio. Show. No, actually, it was actually one of the things we were going to talk about. I wanted to ask you how it was like running the 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 radio show when you were uh, in college. I, I think that's what you that's when you did it, right? 
Yeah. So me and my friend um, started going to this radio station and volunteering. It's just the University of Calgary radio, radio station volunteering in grade 11. And then like almost every day, like uh, you just build, we just built a community there. <laughs> it was just so welcoming these high schoolers in university and uh, they created such an interesting space to, to be our unique selves there. And so in when we were in our first year of college, we're like, hey, we have a spot open up for uh, a show. You guys want it? And we're like, yes. And so, yeah, I did that for six years and it was, she's still doing it. It's called Breaking Techniques on CJSW 90.9 FM, Calgary. Sorry, Breaking Techniques, okay. You can also probably podcast it if you want. Um, but yeah, it's just an hour long every Sunday from six to seven. I think that's right. And did that for six years. It's pretty fun. Why why did you stop and she continued? Um because she lives in Calgary. And my life my life was just I wanted to do other things. I felt uh I then I did a season at NUTV and I was the host there. And I wanted to try that. Um, and then NUTV. I, What's NU, NUTV? University TV station. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. And I hosted one of their main shows. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted, I just wanted to move on. I want to go back, but I'm, I'm, I'm never in one place for long enough <laughs> hmm. to do these, um, these relationships that I would love to develop. What like, What did you learn running a show for six years? What did I learn? What did I learn? I don't know. I didn't even think about that. You've stumped me, UI. What did I? <laughs> I it's this this this. I, when you were talking about improv, I was like, actually, I could call the show an improv because I never have questions. I just, I never have set questions. I just come in having a conversation and drinking my water and my tea, and then I'm just. I, that's why I tell people. I say, for me, this show is the audience is me, and then every <laughs> other person. It's true because I need to enjoy the conversation. Like if I'm because of my curious self, everybody for me is like, I want to get to. You know. I'm going to say this, I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything, but there was a, someone I had a conversation with based in Germany. She's a scientist. She's a polymath, actually. She's extreme polymath. I won't be surprised in two years' time if they tell me she's an astronaut. Um, when we finished the conversation and we we're now talking offline, we actually spoke offline for two hours after the, after we finished recording. That's how much we connected. She now said to me, she's like, Yo, can I say something to you? I said, what's that? She's like, the only time I remember that I was on a show with you was when you were introducing me at the beginning. After that, I got lost. And I felt as if you were sitting in my living room and we were just talking. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Because for me, every time I see somebody, I just want to get to the essence of who they are. And probably that's why I really enjoy this. So the the question I asked you is not I planned it. It's just I want to understand, oh, you did it for six years. What did you what did what did you learn? I don't actually know. I'm going to have to think on that. What did I learn from hosting a radio show for six years? I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> like technically I learned how to use the equipment. Like, you know, like I know how to use, 
I know how to turn on a microphone. I know. <laughs> and every year too, like we have to, cause it's university you have to do a funding drive. So I learned how to um, try to figure out how to sell, not sell, but like market our, our radio station and hopefully people will um, donate because to keep the, the station running and all that kind of stuff. And so I learned how to be comfortable at asking for money. Um, <laughs> which, 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 which is a very important skill, by the way. It's a very important skill. Very, 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 very important. I learned how to not be so precious. Like we would, we would plan, but also we would go by the seat of our pants a little bit and just like, I'm really, I learned how to, well, I don't know. I was think I have that ear, but I learned how to develop it a little bit more by, you know, I would hear the, I'm like, this is how this song sounds. This is how that song sounds. Like I learned how to match songs. That sounds boring, but I learned how to mix that way, I guess. Like that will go, that will go with that. Sometimes it worked like magic. Sometimes it just didn't work. Um, I had to do it on the spot. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Could you to say in terms of what did I learn? <laughs> could you say that uh, running the show for six years was also preparing for improv? I learned that I like to host from that show. I don't know if it prepared me for improv, but I know that it prepared me to um to want to like to talk to people and to uh want to try and host that's another skill that i would like to develop i see myself one day hosting a tv show about uh utopia i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah you, you know what one, one thing i've come to learn is every topic that you feel that is too granular there's an audience for that there's a guy. There's a guy that runs a podcast strictly about radio signals. And when I say radio signals, like I don't know how he's able to get access to that information. But when you call nine one one, that conversation you're having with the, with the, with the operator, when the police are talking to one another, his show is literally about that. And he has got a huge audience that are so granular about enjoying this kind of conversations. It's like YouTube. I also, I'll honestly tell you, I've fallen in love with Police Chase. I don't know why. Probably there should be a neglect that I should think about. Maybe there's a need in my childhood that was not met, that I enjoy watching Police Chase videos. So what, I, what am I trying to say? No topic is off the, off the table. There's an audience for that. So if you want to talk about Utopia, there's probably some other people out there. I probably think most of the audience would probably be hippies, maybe. Or, or people who want their minds changed. It's not just hippies. Oh, okay. Government officials also, I assume. Maybe billionaires also want a utopia. More money, more problems, as the song goes. You know what? I'll flick my fingers to that. Good response. <laughs> Actually. All right. So um, I want to segue now slowly to wrap up our conversation. We've probably been talking a total of probably uh, three hours now. Um, there's a there's a question I like to ask every guest, and I'm going to ask you as well. Um, is there a destabilizing event that has occurred in, your, in the past? And most importantly, how did you... Um, 
How did you come out of that setback and how did you handle it? And what did you learn from it? Is there a destabilizing moment? Event. Yeah. Okay. Like, is, is there something in your past that when it happened, it really threw you back and you could probably at that time consider a failure, but most important, how did you rebound from that setback? Oh, and I had to name only one. <laughs> it's it's it, it's it's your episode. You can tell us as many as you want. I think one of the hardest times of my life. One of the hardest, one of the most hardest times of my life. So this is just one. <laughs> was, um, you know, kind of getting what I asked for. I asked to be in a, I asked to be in a top situation. I asked for this from the universe. I asked, you know, it, I got myself there, but I asked for that. And how lonely it can feel up there. Feels lonely at the top because everybody is out for the like out out to get you. It seems like everybody is out to get you, is in it for themselves, and will cut you at any chance that that they can in order to get in front of you. And in the midst of that. I didn't learn any lessons while I was in it, right? Because I was in it and I was sucked into this whirlwind of this life that um, now I have to do that or I have to do the same because everybody else is doing that thing. When I finally removed myself from it, or I don't know if I removed myself from it, but I was out, I got out of it and I got to reflect and look back. And even some of the pandemic, we're still in a, in COVID times, but that rest and that break gave me allowed me to see like what did what did I get what what was that and I learned I grew up in those moments like that's the I, if I did wasn't in that pressure cooker of an experience I don't know if I'd be advanced as I am just like as a person so I like I grew up um, in the next le the next stage of my life, I grew up in that time. And also, what I perceive as people cutting you, people uh, conniving, and people um, what what seems like people are out to get you is actually a symptom of something larger so we were all sucked into it not it wasn't like a one like one of us was doing it we were all sucked into it and then the institution was built like that and no one can seem to figure out how to like change it because <laughs> the institution is the institution but being out of it i'm like okay i learned that i learned the difference between facts and feelings and I learned that as much as I think that people are out to get me, nobody cares about me in a good way, <laughs> in a good way. And 
the best thing that I can do for myself is care so deeply for me. Be, have compassion for me, have, be compassionate for myself, set up my own boundaries. Uh, a motto that I have for myself is, I don't want to do what I don't want to do. So I'm not going to do something I don't want to do. <laughs> and I will set up my life in that way. And I learned um, that we're all trying in this world. We're all just trying. And that's where the facts and feelings are uh, are separate. Sometimes the feelings feel like facts, but they're just feelings. Um, and I learned how to be a little bit more graceful and practice grace as well as hope that people would give me grace and really not to care um, to be a little bit more selfish in terms of my sanity and not necessarily care about somebody else. And I mean that gently because I'm, I'm saying this uh, because if, if I care a lot about myself, I will be so compassionate towards you because the more compassion and care I give myself, I have more levels to give that to somebody else. I learned that all in that like four year period of this particular institution that I was in. Does that make sense? <laughs> it, it, it makes sense, but I, I, I have a question, but it seems as if you don't want to really tell us what this four year institution is. And I have a, I have a feeling of what this four year institution is, but can I speculate? And if I, if I'm, Okay, first of all, do you want to tell us what this four-year institution is? And if not, can I speculate? And if I speculate and I'm right, would you say, okay, you are that right? Well, I don't know if it necessarily matters. Like, it doesn't, I don't know why it needs to be said. Because the question wasn't, hmm. was, what did you learn? And <laughs> No, no. <laughs> the question was, the question was, what was the destabilizing event that occurred? And the lesson. How did you re how, no? How did you rebound from that setback? You have told us, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm. Hey, by the way, it's your story. You have told us. By the way, it's, what you just said is very deep. Facts and feelings, and if, if the audience cannot see, I'm the one that can see you. So let me try to tell the audience. When Moniz was describing this story that she was just sharing with us, her eyes were closed. So it made me realize, wow, this is a very deep thing she's talking about. Um, but I just feel as if you don't want to share exactly what that thing is because that 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 that's a thing, really. That's that's where I'm going. And if you don't want to share exactly what it is, but you've told us what's that destabilizing event and how you rebound it, that's okay. But I just feel as if yeah, that that's my curious side coming out. Yeah, I mean like it's clear, like it's clearly a job thing because that's what I do. Like I'm, this is, I'm in this business. And so this is what, uh, so clearly it, it, well, it happened in, in a job. So, um, but it was the most, it was the hardest time to be in, but also at the end of it, so much gold was reaped in terms of lessons learned. Which you are currently applying to your career right now? And life. Okay. <laughs>
I, I think uh, the nugget from your what you just shared it's facts and feelings. Ironically, I I'm about to take a a major step in my life. I hope I always remember that when sometimes things happen, I'm like, you are, is this a fact or is this a feeling? Because sometimes the two of them can really merge and then confusion comes in and then something that was such a very small, minute thing becomes a big thing because you probably did not know which category to put it in. And all of a sudden, you lose something that you shouldn't have lost it for, especially if it's a feeling. If it's a fact, then you say, okay, fine. But if it's a feeling, allow the other person to speak. And then you realize, ah, this is just my fears that I did not deal with in the past, coming back to magnify a situation that is so minute. So we learn our lessons from other people and from other experiences. Touche. (laughs) Wow. Um, we have been talking for almost three hours, and this is a question that I learned from another podcast that I wanted to implement. And so you're going to be my first guinea pig to 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 do this with, because as as I said I said earlier that I don't listen to other podcasts anymore the same way prior to August eighth. I listen to other podcasts to see oh how is the production done. Just like we talked about on being, I really want to listen to on being now to understand how does she really connect with her guests. So this question, please pardon me if it doesn't. Uh, if it doesn't land, but I felt like it was a great question to ask um, every guest moving forward. Is there a question that I haven't asked you that you wish I asked you? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm single and I'm looking. Is the <laughs> In case anybody wanted to know. Oh God! Oh, I did not. I did not see that one. <laughs> oh, oh man! That, no, you, you know how you said you were stumped earlier on. You really got me. Oh, that is funny. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, since since you get since you went there, I, I'm sorry. I'm gonna stay there. And if if we have to go to another session just to finish this 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 thread, then fine. Let it be. Let it be so. Um. Okay. H- how are you going to? Okay, you said you're single and you're looking. Let me ask you, based on monies that I've come to learn about utopia. In your in your perfect utopia, how would you see a relationship happening? Considering that you're always moving. What do you mean? I, I okay because someone said that to me, and I was like, "What are you talking about? People move mountains. People, people are incredible. People are incredibly, you know, they find ways to do things. So that seems like it would just, yeah, of course it will happen. I'm also very stubborn, and I love, I love hard, and uh, to my detriment, I will try to make things work. I will always try to make things work." So I put in the work. It's just work. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, are you okay for me to ask the next question I want to ask? No, what is it going to be? 
<laughs> uh, okay, so I'm sitting down here in Calgary, and let's say I was. Hope you don't mind me saying this, okay? Yeah. Um, if you don't like it, I can always edit it out. <laughs> um, but let's say I'm sitting here in Calgary and I'm dating Moniz, and Moniz, I'm not gonna see Moniz till March. I mean, that that is challenging, though, is it? But I I, I see your point of saying moving mountain, but. Maybe this is a question I should ask to maybe a lot of creatives. Like, how did they manage their relationship with and still want to be enjoying their job? Because, you know, some people, it's all about neglect sometimes. I, I really like that word neglect, by the way. You know, some people just probably want roots and stuff. And then some other person, of course, says, hey, I, I, I appreciate that you like roots, but I love what I do. And I also really love you as well. How do I marry both of them? That this other part of my life requires me to constantly be on the move. So I think that's my question that I want I want to ask, and I I hope you kind of understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, there's a lot of people in my career in my business that are, have been married or in long term relationships who often travel for work and are away at months at a time. That just becomes the normal and like when your time when you have your times together it's just so precious and so wonderful and so beautiful even sometimes it's only 24 hours I remember uh, a friend of mine he was working in Ontario she was working in BC and they're both acting at the same time and we don't get time off or, or if we do get time off it's like it's rare and so the fact that he had this time off to go and visit her for like it must have been 36 hours was so special and he was talking about it and it, I'm like yeah they're making it work like it <laughs> things it just works you make if if there's love involved or, or if there's any sort of like involved and you and you're committed to wanting to share your life with somebody because you believe that that's an important part of your life you will I will uh, put in the effort to try and do that and like Sometimes that might mean sacrifice in terms of, uh, we've been away for so long. I, maybe I won't take this job. Do you think we're financially secure enough for me not to work or for you not to work or like whatever the sacrifice is, like you just have to, every, every couple is different. Every individual is different. And once you find that compatible person or partners or whatever to make it work, it'll work. Nothing is impossible. Okay. Um, I thought this was. I thought this was going to be our last session, but because I asked the question that made you say something that made me laugh, I have another question I want to ask, and then we'll wrap up. So let's uh, take our final break with Moniz. And trust me, I was really thinking this was our last session, but as you can tell, I guess I asked the question for the first time on this show that I never expected an answer like that. And I think uh, I'm going to keep that question as as one of my rotation now for sure. Because let's see what other thing I'm going to hear. We'll be back with Moniz. I have one more question or two more questions to ask on how talking about single and looking, and then um, we'll wrap up. <laughs> so uh, be careful of the questions you ask because you never know the answers you're going to get. And uh, as I said, uh, I was about to wrap up with uh, Moniz, but uh, she answered a question that <laughs> I did not see coming. So Moniz, since you threw it out there to the audience, you never know where who is going to listen to this. So, you're single and looking. What are you looking for? 
Oh no! <laughs> oh, you 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 the one that went there. <laughs> because you never know someone is going to listen to this and be like you know what i think my application i think that's that's appropriate for me to send my application in and please if it if it ever happens please i would like credits you know what hey ui thanks so much man your platform made me get hooked up or hitched up with uh, alfred i'm like nice i hope i'm invited to the event that's so funny um i never no, until I get into something and I'm like, oh, this is this is not what I wanted. Um, so that's so hard. I guess I'm just I guess I'm just looking for uh, someone that likes me. <laughs> that seems very um, juvenile, but like that is a big thing some people don't you know some people don't actually like their partners they don't realize that are you serious i've i've witnessed not witnessed but i've seen many comments of of people saying um yeah my my ex didn't actually like me maybe he liked the like certain things but he didn't like me he didn't like to spend time with me he didn't like yeah so there's like i i you know I don't, it's so hard because I have so many different friends and I like them for all different reasons. So it's so hard to say, what am I looking for? I want someone to like me and be interested and and intrigued. And likewise, I want to be intrigued and interested in them. And I want them to champion me and I want to champion them. I want us to, uh, I have goal, I mean, I have goals for this future, but even if I don't get it with somebody, I have you know, goals of uh, what's an empire that empire in a utopia, utopioic way. It's not a word, but I don't mean empire to take over something. I mean, like, what's a good mission that we can endeavor with uh, together in? Like, I find that. Um, um, yeah. How do we move? Like, I want to be I want to be able to move together with somebody, move together in not in everything, but in certain things, big things would be. Um, and I'm looking for someone who is interested in doing that too. Moving mm. together, sharing a life is a huge thing. Hmm. Um, you said you mentioned uh, you knew you know to a, a couple that both are actresses. One is an actor and one is an actress. By the way, can you is it is it kosher to just refer to as a man as an actor and a woman as an actress, or can you use the word actor? As a as a, as an encompassing word for both for both male and female. Yeah, and like we also have you know people who don't identify as man man or woman. So um, actors is the catch all. Okay, all right. Um, you you talked about um, a, a couple that you know that both are, act- are actors and sometimes have to only see one another for thirty six hours during the time that they are both in production. Um, in your own ideal utopian world that you, which is your cat, which is your catchword. If you are listening to this and you want to send a message, make sure the subject is utopia. Um, <laughs> but in that ideal utopian world for you, do you want someone that is a little bit more conservative in their career or in their way they look at life? Or 
do you also want that free flowing kind of person like yourself? Because I'm just assuming I, I'm, I've only gotten to know you because of the show, but would you also like what you described earlier on with that couple that both are actors and only see one another for 36 hours? Because for me, that's, that is, that is tough. That's, that was just one season of their life. Okay. They share many seasons together. They've been together for many, many years. So, um, of, of course, it's tough, but things are life is tough. <laughs> um, but it also is exciting that you get to have that thirty-six hours of getting to see your love. Like that's pretty cool. And then you see them longer after when both shows are done. So, um, I see that as a challenge, not as a not as a a struggle or a um, it's just a challenge and it's it's par for the the job like it's a what is the, what's that saying it's um half uh, of the course yeah like it's um it's just one of the things that happens in this career you miss out on your family um or you miss trying to get into relationships uh or, or trying to explain these things to somebody and be like this is what i do like that's it's yeah part of it it's part of it um do i want someone like me <laughs> i okay how do i even say this i um i'm interested in learning about myself through other people so I wouldn't want the exact version of me because that's helpful because then I, it's a reflection. I can see how I can grow and things that I don't like. But I also would like someone, like, I don't know, I can't determine the future, but it would be interesting to be with somebody who is different, who in, who likes that I I can be the adventurous one and even come like come visit me in Palo Alto. I have a hotel. It's already it's paid for. Like, come visit me, that kind of stuff. Like, I would love if somebody was like, ah, oh, I love that you do that because I wouldn't be able to do that. And I love that I can share some of the parts with you, some of your journeys, some of, and go along with you on some of your journeys um, because I'm, I don't know, an entrepreneur and I can do what I want. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many actors who are not with actors. They're with lawyers, they're with doctors, they're with, um, businessmen, they're with uh, laborers. Like, there's so many ways that this could. There were trust fund babies. Like, there's so many pairings that could that could exist. And who knows what my pairing would be? It would be a unique, obviously. <laughs> you know, actually, I actually thought you were married because uh, when you were talking, sometimes your hands would move, and I saw this ring and the way it was. The way it was paired, I felt as if the first one was the engagement ring and the second was the wedding band. So I think when you said it as well, that also threw me off because I, I felt that you were married. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Mm. I said I gifted myself. I gift things to myself when I think that. It's like if I want something, I should just give it, give it to my gift it to myself. Okay. But me as a guy. If I see that, I would probably say, don't go there because she's already married. It's not on my, it's not on my ring finger. Oh, 
you know, I thought it was a, I thought it was audio. I thought it was a ring finger because you see, we're having this conversation virtually, so I can't really see the orientation and everything like that. But I actually thought so. So when I think when you said it as well, and the the, which is man, kudos to you, kudos to you, man, because um, I love the fact that I asked the question and you answered it that way. Because sorry, let me just drink water. I like I like the fact that I asked the question and I never saw that coming, but it actually has made me get to know you even more because it just shows a very real person. You know, it's not manufactured. It's not like performance. It's like, hey, you ask the question. Here is the answer. And, and so shall it be. And it's amazing that sometimes when you put things into the universe, you just never know. That's true. You know, so careful what I ask for because now I'm gonna have like this relationship. I'm like, oh my god, how do you be in a relationship with somebody? This is hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because the vision for the show is selfless inspiration. And the other day, I had um, is a there's a there's a there's an episode that I published with a conversation I had with a lady called Elsie Wairimu. And Elsie was telling us a story about when she was uh, modeling and the modeling agency was about to release her pictures to their clients. But unfortunately, the owner of the modeling agency told Elsie to her face that he wasn't going to sanction the release of the pictures unless he slept with her. And she was only 17 years old at the time. And... Um, you know, you have a conversation. She opens up to that. I never know that. I mean, I don't, you know, there's no way I was going to know that information. So I'm listening to her and I'm like, wow, that is bad. That is crazy. Which, which man is this? This guy needs to be thrown in jail and everything. But you know what's so crazy? I got a text message on WhatsApp from someone I know. And the person said, hey, UI, thanks so much for creating the show. I'm like, okay, yeah, thank you. Um, Why? She says, you know, I finished listening to your conversation with Elsie. And I started crying. And I'm like, why were you crying? She's like, you, I, I just, I have just been, you, you never physically rewind on a podcast because it's digital. But she says, I always had to take it back and kept on listening to that part of Elsie's story. And I said, okay, can I call you? She's like, no. I want to do I want to do this on text. So I was like, okay, respect that. And then this is what she says next. She's, so I said, why is that part of our story so important to you? And she says, because Elsie said no, and I said yes. And I was like, wow. So you know what I did? I, I sent a screenshot to Elsie and I was like, remember when we talked about coming on the show and selfless inspiration? We never know who's going to get inspired by your story, but look at what your story has done to this other person. And it's unfortunate that you said no, but she said yes. So hopefully that could be some form of healing for her and some form of closure. You never know. So I just say that to say, when people are real, you just never know how your realness can become, what it can, what it can do, you know, by you saying what you just said, by saying, hey, I'm single, I'm looking. Not a lot of people can, not a lot of people do that. I'm just being honest. I'm really being honest. That's why I really, 
I really wanted to just commend you for doing that because you just never know who the world is. The world is so global that you just put things out there. And when you receive and you're like, wow, and then you can trace it back. You just feel like, man, you know, if you get, if you go on another podcast, let's say five years from now, and let's say they invite you as a couple and then you're sitting, no, you just never know. Right. And then you're sitting down there having this conversation. And then the person says, how did you guys meet? And then you tell the story. Guess what happens? It's teaching someone else, listen to that conversation to say, man, whatever you want, whenever you've got an opportunity to state exactly what you want, just state it because you just never know. So I really, really want to commend you, man. That's, <laughs> that, that is I, like, that's, a, that's a huge thumbs up. So, um, since you put it out there, if someone is interested and wants to, to reach out to Moniz because you've enjoyed her entire story and then the final part of it was she said what she said. How can not just the person, but anybody in general, if someone if someone wanted to follow your career, how, how can they do that? Uh can search my name. You can follow me that way. Um, uh, and then you can do some um, go through UI. <laughs> I am still a, so I can't but just if, feel- if, you, if you if you come through me I still need to filter you so I'm going to ask her hey I just got this application man uh, here it is so yes. yeah just FYI <laughs> yeah 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 find me you can find me uh, I see what's your final parting words to the audience that have just enjoyed your story so far Final parting words. Um, I liked what you said about you never know when you put things out there. You never know what will come back. Uh, or I should say, if you know what you want and you put it out there, mm-hmm. be um, uh, aware that you will receive. Mm-hmm. That's good and bad. So... <laughs> Sorry, I I I I I lost when you when you said I, there was a few seconds I lost. Can you repeat what you said, please? See, I said, I said that I liked what you said about um, you never you never know what you put out there because the world is so global, and if you want something and you or if you are uh, interested in something, like if you just put it out there, you never know what you're gonna get. And that could be exciting. And um, and knowing what you want, because you will, you will always, it's just a law, it's a universal law. You will always get back what you um, put out. So, and you can always get what you, you know, you will always get what you ask for. And um, in whatever, like it may manifest in a different ways, like it might not be exactly what you want, but you'll always get what you ask for. I believe that. And so, yeah, I asked for this thing and now I have to prepare for the good. I want it to be good. I'm always, I want a good to, to come back and, uh, and I welcome the good and I, uh, welcome what exciting things will happen after this <laughs> reaches, <laughs> reaches whomever it reaches. And so, yeah, it's really, it's a good exercise in putting oneself out there. It really, it's really good. To share very much so yes i totally agree just like you said when you were when i asked you the question about the destabilizing events and you said 
you ask for something and you got it, but unfortunately, you don't also understand that by getting to the top, everybody's trying to bring you down, right? And and stuff like that. So not to say that uh, you put this out there. And so, no, uh, that's not what I mean. I'm just basically talking about the power of putting things out there and eventually getting it and then realizing, oh, <laughs> you know, it's lastly, I think uh, not to get too philosophical. It's just like the show. When the show was created on August 8th, I never knew who was going to be the first guest. <laughs> I knew for me, I knew for sure it was going to be a conversation with other people. That it wasn't going to be uh, a show of me talking. But to see that I have recorded 47 conversations since the show launched, it's crazy. Like yeah. I look, I look at the folder and I see all those names and all their folders with all their audio recordings waiting to be edited and produced and published. And I'm just like, how did I meet all these people? Like just meeting you now, and I there was no way in the world without the show. There's no way you and I would have ever met. You, you, if I called you and said, "Hey, let's just talk," you'd be like, "Who is this dude?" <laughs> Say one other thing. Yeah, that you just said, and I just wanted to. Hopefully, this, you can edit this out if you want. But um, I'm always. This is why I'm always, always have to remind myself always to be grateful with where you're at because you wished for this, who knows, like five years ago, you wished to be in this position or you willed yourself in this position. And so to always be grateful for it's because you're inviting the universe to give you more of that good stuff. So it's like, I really love traveling. Like I actually, I love that I get to do this. I love that I don't have to clean my sheets. Like I love that someone else can take care of that. I I appreciate those workers so much because they, they're, they're doing that job that I just do not want to do. And I have the time not to do that. I love being able to perform on stage. Um, I love being able to talk to you. Like I, 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 I'm so grateful of the position that I'm at right now that I have time I have leisure time and free time to be able to talk and commune with somebody that I don't know. Not everybody gets that. And I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful because yeah, there was, you know, whoever, who knows like three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, I wish for this exact, this exact thing. And so I'm so grateful that I have this. So thank you. You have the final word. With that, we wrap up my conversation with Moniz. And thank you very much for Moniz for creating time. Um, actually, there's a, one more question. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, when I was doing my research on you and stuff, I saw some movies that you've acted. And actually, I played it. I played one of the clips and you came in. Um, I think it was like a, like a, a, a thriller of a guy and a girl. And then I think the girl, the guy, the guy, the guy cheated on the girl with his, with her best friend. And uh, she was basically like, she was basically like, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you? And then this clash of this friendship and stuff. And then you, I think you came in, the way you came in and the, what I saw was like the person's alter ego or the person's conscience or something like that. Um, so I feel it's I feel it's just fair for me to ask you to probably highlight some of 
the plays or shows that you have done that uh, if people want to follow your work, they can go uh, seek it out there and, and watch something that they can see you in. Yeah, I have to look at my IMDb because I don't know all the things that I've been in. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I, I think that one was called The Order or something like that. Yeah, that one was called Sensitive Parts and it's uh, by... Oh, yes. Where, um, it was in 27... It got released in 2017 and I played, yeah, an alter ego of this girl. Um, and uh, Brendan Prost, which is like a great friend of mine, so... I'm, and also a, a brilliant filmmaker. I'm excited to see him in his endeavors. Um, I'm in Bates Motel. I'm in an episode of The Supernatural. Like these are all TV things. I'm in a couple of episodes of Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, and I'm in an episode of The Good Doctor. Um, and I'm in the good the Good Doctor that is on ABC. That was on ABC. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's still on. It's still Vancouver. Nice. Wow. All the stuff Vancouver. Yeah, and then I'm on this Prince Hamlet tour. I'm writing a play. Like, look out for me if hopefully my play will get will get um, produced. Um, if any producers out there, let me know. If you want to read my script, let me know. I'm trying to sell it. Um, and yeah, many many plays. I'm in lots of festivals around Canada. Lots of. I'm in a show at the Arts Club in 2023. So Arts Club in Vancouver. So yeah, just look out for me. Yeah. I'm around. Around. You talked about you talked about Shaw Festival as well. Mm -hmm. Is it the Shaw Festival? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all over. <laughs> all right. Well, I thought that uh, that was going to be the final word, but you still had the final word. So, Moniz, thank you very much for creating time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. It took us uh, two different sessions across two weeks to be able to wrap up your story, and uh, thank you for creating times for both of them and the first one was when it was your birthday which we sang happy birthday to start mm -hmm. and here we are having a chat with you while you are in utah salt lake city ah fantastic all right thanks very much monis thanks ui all right speak soon well there we go another episode of uh, the show has come to an end i hope you enjoy the conversation with the guest and uh, learn something from it and a particular part of uh, his or her story inspired you to make that move, whatever that move could be for you. Uh, with that being said, please subscribe to the show. Uh, you can also leave a review. The review really helps the show to grow and gets uh, in the ears of other people. Um, also share with a friend, someone that you know in your network that you believe this episode, they need to hear this. Uh, you can share it with that individual. Uh, whatever podcast directory you use, uh, look for the share option and uh, share it to that person. Lastly, don't forget to go on the website, www.uiukpong.com to subscribe to Three Nuggets Weekly where I share three things that I found interesting the previous week and uh, think may add value to your life. With that being said, I'm wishing you a great week and I will uh, come back to your ears next week. Have a good one now and do something crazy. Bye for now.